and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we are breaking down every single game ahead of week five. And by we, I mean me. And of course, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, how's it going, my friend? Dude, I'm doing great. We have four weeks of data, Ian. That means we have trends. We have all sorts of cool shit. And then we have a bunch of just random stuff that we don't understand what coaches do, which is always my favorite. There always has to be something left to solve. If we could figure everything out, like it wouldn't be any fun. You know what I mean? So it's nice to have teams like the Dolphins where you just be like, what the hell's going on? Like those are my, you know, those kind of, I guess those are the things that I, they give me hope in. I keep hoping like the next week I'm going to come and look at the data and be like, oh, like there's a trend here, but there's not. And I think secretly, like it, it helps me. So yeah, man, I'm doing good. How about you? Four weeks of data. We are done with 2020 stuff. Maybe there's something that we're going back. I'm not saying we're never going to reference the past year again, but truly four weeks. That's where we draw a line and we say, okay, we got this stuff. Brandon Ayuk, it's four weeks, man. This, we're not making excuses any longer. Not to single out him. I'm sure we'll touch on that later. But yes, people, 2021 is here. We got our trends and we are ready to go. Starting things off with a good looking Thursday night football game on paper Rams at the Seahawks Rams are now two and a half point favorites. They actually open with Seattle as a slight one point favorite at home game total is up to 54 and a half after opening at 48. So get used to hearing this people. A lot of these lines totals have been moving a lot since open. Let's talk Daryl Henderson workhorse season, 89% snaps, 14 carries six targets last week. We saw this to start the year, but the question was, when was Sonny Michelle going to get more involved? And then what would the committee look like? Well, when Henderson missed week three, it was the Sonny Michelle show going into week four. Henderson having the rib problem. It would have made all the sense in the world to see this be like a 50-50 split. Just because Sony played fine, Henderson not 100%. Nope, he was the complete workhorse. So our PFF projections have Henderson as the RB9 for this upcoming week. Maybe that's a little aggressive, but seriously, people, he is at worst a borderline RB1 at this point. You better have some wild four-team lineup if you can justify putting you know Henderson on your bench in this spot because only the Jets have allowed more PPR points per game to opposing backs than the Seahawks this season. Only other point I'll really make here, we all know Cooper Cup's a G. Higby never leads, leaves the field. Matthew Stafford, despite last week not being great, we know he's still got 300 passing yard, three touchdown upside, you know, every single day of the week. Potential. Finally, Dwayne, squeaky wheel spot for Robert Woods. We've gotten Sean McVay's attention. Had a quote come out yesterday that ended with, Robert is a leader. He's a captain. And he's been doing a great job up to this point. We just need to get him some more opportunities. And that starts with me. I believe him, man. Like, that's been the problem. Who's been getting these design bombs? Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson. Who's been getting everything else designed? Cooper Cup. Like, McVay spelled it out. It's a better offense and Robert's more consistently involved. And he has been, everything's been right from a snap perspective. We just haven't seen those targets coming. So I would be terribly surprised if Van Jefferson actually finishes this year with more fancy points than Robert Woods. I know it's not been easy, people. You might have a ton of wide receivers and not have to start Bobby Trees and avoid this whole situation. I'm still cautiously optimistic that we're going to see Bobby Trees be a wide receiver to more weeks than not here moving forward. Dwayne? got some goodness on the Seahawks. Can you tell the people why we should not actually be treating Alex Collins as a real fancy asset at this point in time? <laughs> well, real, just real quick on Henderson, because I have gotten a couple of notes, you know, you know, folks saying, well, you know, Michelle fumbled. And that is true. Just so you guys know, before Michelle even fumbled, which was on the fourth drive of that game, 
84% of the snaps and almost 70% of the rushing attempts had already gone to Daryl Henderson. So Daryl Henderson was already by that point, you know, it, they were just bringing in Michelle and some to spell then Michelle on the second drive that he was involved in fumbled the ball, the rest is history. So anyway, so it is what it is. But yeah, as far as the Seahawks, man, I was hope you know, I would love to start off positive, like, you know, in, um, but it's just really hard right now. Like Shane Waldron, what is going on? Like you, you totally like you come over here from the Rams, you, you know, where you run a lot of plays, you run a lot of motion, you know, you're the freaking master of trick look plays, all this kind of stuff that's going to help Russell Wilson out. And what are we doing? We're running the like night, the, the 2013 version of the freaking Seahawks offense. It makes me sick and makes me want to vomit everywhere. This is the team's 32nd and pass plays per game. Shift in motion. Oh, we're going to move people around and we're going to mess up the two high safeties. No, you're not. No, you're not. Shut your ass. 29th in 29, 29th out of 32. It really does. It doesn't get much worse. 11 personnel. Now I'll give them a little credit here. Battled some injuries. Dwayne Eskridge hasn't been healthy. You know, you've got uh, Florida Gator, Freddie, you know, Swain, you know, he's, he's, he's playing, you know, he's doing what he can, you know, but 30th, 30th. Um, so I'm just, I'm just really discouraged. Like it's really hard Ian, to get like, because dude, we know how good Russell Wilson is. We know how good DK Metcalf is. We know how good Tyler Lockett is. We think Gerald Everett might even be good. Um, but we, we don't even know for sure because this team can't run enough plays. And so, man, I downgraded the whole offense this week. Um, I downgraded them for rest of the season. This week is not a terrible spot. Yes. You just mentioned it. we get a good, we get a good point total. Um, but the way I look at this offense now, you know, Metcalf, he's, he's more of a high-end wide receiver too. You know, he's not, I don't look at him as a wide receiver one anymore. I don't look as Tyler Lockett overall as a wide receiver one anymore. Are, can they be efficient? Yes, because they have the master of efficiency, the freaking Jedi, Russ Wilson, who bells a stupid offense and Pete Carroll out every single year. So I'm sure he's going to do it some more, but I just, I want to see, a, I want to see a life, Ian. I want to live in a world where we can get like 10 targets to each of these guys every week, eight targets every week, instead of having to live with the four and the fives, you know, and to do that, like they got to freaking get 35% of the targets to get to six. So that's a problem right now for the Seahawks. So, so while I don't dislike the talents, I don't dislike the players. I'm really down on the coaching staff. Um, I do believe from everything I'm reading, it sounds like it's really Pete Carroll. Like this is what he wants. And Shane Waldner is just a young play caller. And I think he's just sitting there going, what? Okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll just do what the old dude says. And that's kind of where we're stuck at right now with the Seahawks. That's probably not what you wanted. Alex Collins. Yes, you want to know about Alex Collins. So, look, Chris Carson, he got knocked out of the game the week before with a hamstring injury. He came back in. And, of course, naturally, like, you know, the Seahawks are known for this. They didn't report it at all as an injury through the week. Oh, full practice, full practice. Okay, right, full practice. And it was from the get-go. I mean, Chris Carson was splitting, you know, carries from early in the game with Collins. And I think every bit of it was to do with that. He really did have a lingering hamstring issue. Now, the issue is, could that still be going this week? Probably. And we'll never know. Like, we won't have any clues. So, honestly, Chris Carson's one of the players I struggle with the most. I've gone way too long on this crappy offense. Um, love the players. Hate the scheme. Um, but Carson, I struggled to rank this week just because I didn't know what to do. These stupid low plays. And is his hamstring hurt? Is it not? Sorry, Ian, like you should just like take the show over. It seemed like to me with the Carson Collins thing, it was almost more of a, hey, Seattle was up by two scores with 20 minutes left. 
through the third quarter, it was Carson 23 snaps, Collins 12, Carson 11 carries, Collins 6. And we even had the athletics Michael Sean Duger come out and basically say, like, no, it's not going to be consistent. Maybe he can come make a little more out of these mop-up carries in Rashad Penny. But long story short, yes, we got to be a little bit concerned about Carson, but I've, I've seen some people trying to clamp on to Alex Collins. Similar thing with A.J. Dillon. Just realize, people, you can't always look at the end game statistics with this. Got to realize where game script throws things out of place a little bit. But I share your disdain for these empty promises that were made to us about this offense during the offseason. Similar to Pittsburgh, except at least Seattle is watchable television at this point. Moving right along to the Sunday games. We got the Jets at the Falcons. Atlanta sitting as four-point favorites over under at 46. Zach Wilson last week. Oh, my goodness, people. Four big-time throws. Two of them, like one 60-yard bomb to Corey Davis, another long one to Keelan Cole. Just throws that maybe there's a handful of NFL quarterbacks that can make them, but I think there's even fewer quarterbacks that would actually like think to attempt them in a live game setting. That's Zach Wilson, and that's why I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch here for many years. And we're already seeing – like. The reason why you draft Zach Wilson is to have that sort of play in your repertoire. You don't, you know, Mac Jimmy G is never even thinking about attempting those plays. Zach Wilson, we need to, we, we need him to learn the offense, the level of Jimmy G. And I'm using him as an example because this is a Shanahan playbook in New York as well. We need him to learn the easy stuff. Like that game shouldn't have been as hard as it was last week. Ryan Griffin could have had a walking touchdown at the end and Zach threw it at his feet. The easy stuff is not easy yet, but man, when we look at this, on passes thrown 20 plus yards downfield. Zach Wilson is sixth in PFF passing grade, fifth in big time throws, fourth in quarterback rating. He can make the crazy stuff happen. Now we just need him to learn how to get it easy. So it, it makes sense. The Jets have, you know, had a rough start starting the year with the Panthers, the Patriots, the Broncos, PFF's own Mike Renner sent out a stat showing how the Jets have basically had three to 400 more rookie snaps than any other team in the NFL to this point. It makes sense why we had the rough start but you, again you dig beneath the surface just a little bit and there is a lot of positives there so in terms of fantasy we're feeling good if albeit maybe great about Corey davis the number one i'm not you know we talked about jameson crowder a lot probably too much on the waiver wire pod i don't think we need to go back into that with the people but with elijah moore likely come back from the concussion protocol i think we can fire up Corey davis and that's it from the passing game again with zach we haven't seen the sort of rushing floor to really warrant any sort of fantasy exposure yet but feeling good about Corey davis and maybe just maybe michael carter who had 50 snaps for the first time last week and certainly seems to be pulling away from ty johnson and and Tevin Coleman. So the Jets have a bye after this. Dwayne, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carter is like coming. We saw this last year with uh, DeAndre Swift. I think it's a com common occurrence in the NFL after that bye week. The rookie that's been part of the committee, you get the extra week to really start to feature him as the true RB1. So if you have anyone out there that's really been down on Michael Carter, I would not be afraid to go get him now because maybe this week, again, he's a stretch. It's like a lower end RB3 type this week. I'm not saying to go all in here despite the good matchup, but I think sooner rather than later, Specifically, week seven could be Michael Carter, RB1. We overuse season so much. RB1 uh, territory time. We'll start working on a new territory time. I love yeah. it. <laughs> Ex expanding the Michael Carter TT time. There we go. Michael Carter TT time. <laughs> Right. So, hey, do you, you want to do the Manscaped thing here? Do you want to oh go ahead and do the Manscaped thing Might right as well. now? Manscaped. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Tell me about the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, man. So we got to talk about your guy, right? Well, first, before we talk about Cordell Patterson, you know, talking about dropping bombs, one interesting thing that I saw last week, 
doing the utilization work around, um, you know, the passing game for the Falcons, you had had an ADOT of 5.2, 4.8, 4.8 last week, 12.5. What was the passing attack all about from Arthur Smith when he came over from the Titans to the Falcons? It was really more about lots of play action, which they've used more of, not, not as much as he was using you know, with Tennessee, which as teams get really down, they tend to start moving away from it. And a lot of that's because they're not playing under center anymore. They just go to the, they go to the gun. Because a lot of these really heavy play action teams will play under center more in the first half. But when you look at Matt Ryan, I like the fact that he was push, pushing the ball down the field again. So I thought that was really, that was a positive. Let's see, it's one data point. Let's see if it continues. Because before that, it looked a lot more like Drew Brees, you know, in like 10 years from now, if Drew Brees was playing when he was like 60, that's basically the ADOT that Matt Ryan was throwing to, um, which has been huge for Ian. You know, do you want to, do you want to drum roll? Do you want to lead in? Like you are the, I mean, you know, you actually lead the fan club for CPAT. So every Tuesday for the last five years, man, you know, it's a good time. (laughs) So for Cordell Patterson, so for the, for the folks that, you know, have him on the roster, let me just throw a few things out there and, Look, what I'm going to say is I went back and, you know, from a utilization perspective, I just, and I do this a lot of times, but especially when I see a player like this, it's like catching all of our attention and just really looked at historically, like what backs have even been similar to this. And when I say have been similar to this, we're sitting at 35% of the snaps, 28% of the rushing attempts, only in a route, 31%, a third, not even a third, under a third of the time that the team drawbacks to pass, he's in a route. He has 13% of targets. It's that's nice. That's nice, but it's not like it's not great. But his targets per route are 35%. So meaning when he's on the field, he's targeted a third of the time. He only be maybe this sounds this sounds like Sex Panther or something. You know, he's only on the field at the third of the time, but when it he works is, every he's time. down to a third of the time. I don't know how that math works out. Uh, you know, short down distance, you know, under half, inside the five, only gets a quarter of the carries, long down distance, and eh, two-minute offense, and PPR rank number two. Like, it all adds up, right? So just went back and looked. And the main thing I really honed in on here was, you you know, you had to have, you know, at least, you know, attempts in the 20% range. You need to have this targets per route run of 35%. And I just wanted the routes to basically be under 50%. And so I just kind of honed in on this group of players. And so here are your finishes, Ian, of what, you know, the cap of what it came up with whenever I put the query in. James White. RB42 in 2020. Kenyon Drake, 2019. RB17. Alex Alex Collins, he's back again. Name mentioned twice in the show. Way to go, Alex. 2017, RB19. Tariq Cohen, 2017, RB33. Darren Sproles, the great, 2013, RB23. And so when you look at that, what that shows me is, look, we actually do have a precedence for this. Like, we just don't, you don't, see, it's, I mean, look, that's back to 2011, how many running back seasons are in there? And this is all the list came up with. Like, it's pretty short. It's a short list. Um, but what it shows me is, you know, he could, he can be an RB2. He's most likely a mid to low end RB2 or he's an RB3, right? Because the rest of these guys were all high end RB3s. And so just knowing that, like, look, fine, if you want to keep flexing him or you want to use him as your RB2 because you want zero RB, look, there's a little more hope than what I thought as far as him continuing on. He's not going to be the RB2, though, is my point. He will not finish the season in the top six. My bet is he will not finish the season in the top 12. So all I'm saying is if, by some chance, you do have an, uh, a fantasy manager in your league that believes he really is a top 12 player, then you go make a trade. You trade. And when I say trade, you don't just give him away. 
trade him like he's an RB1. And if someone doesn't want to pay an RB1 you know, price for him, then fine, just say screw it and just keep him. And you're happy either way. So either you make the upgrade or you just keep the player. But look, more than likely, you're staring at a low-end RB2, best case. And you could be really dealing with an RB3 by the end of the season. You know, it's just not a lot of utilization, folks. I mean, I, I was actually encouraged by the folks that have done this. But then again, he has to keep up this targets per route thing, which is really freaking hard to do, to continue to be targeted. Because look at this, like a defense eventually is going to say, Correll Patterson's on the field, he's probably getting the ball. Like that's going to go through their mind, like at some point. And so that's his next hurdle. Can he overcome it? We don't even know. He may not be able to sustain this 35, this 35% targets per route run. So that's enough on the Falcons, but that's just, I had to get on the soapbox Ian, because I spent some time looking at that. I haven't seen anything else out there in the market that's really gone back and done this research. So it was just bugging me. Like I couldn't sleep. I was like, I got to get up and go look at this. And so that was the first thing I did. And this is the first thing I wrote this week in the utilization report. I always try to look at five or six things that I'm like, I want to be the freshest when I write them. This was like number one. <laughs> but no, it's, it's a great point about like sell high on Patterson. Don't just sell Patterson. Like that's, I think what people don't necessarily realize sometimes like we don't want to sell them for, you know, three okay assets. We want to sell him like you'd be selling Alvin Kamara or someone that we expected to be ranked this highly. So just real quick, Ridley, Kyle Pitts, we're, we're not They're overly awesome. concerned. Yeah. It's been an annoying four weeks, everyone, but truly like I, the way we had that Stefan Diggs game two weeks ago, where I just couldn't express more like how close he was to blowing up. That's how Ridley's game was this last yeah. week. I mean, he has like, two, man. Yeah. Pitts too. T- targets I, per route run this last week. Finally, like he's hitting his stride. He's at the 80% route mark where you want to be. He's at 81%. Last week, Ian, 24% targets per route run. He had 23% of the targets. If Kyle Pitts stays at that 80% and gets up around 20 to 22%, he's going to be a what? He's going to be a top six tight end to finish the season. And he could finish really strong and push up to like spot four, spot three. Like I can, I expect him to continue to learn and get better. So yes, great call out. We, we keep the Kyle Pitts buy low message out. We'll keep it out there. We're going to keep the signal going. You know, we don't know if anybody's hearing it, but until this utilization goes away and until he blows up and you can't do it anymore, I think we have to keep doing it. He got cursed by my helicopter. That's a tough thing for someone to overcome in the year 2021. So better days for Kyle Pitts ahead. Got the Patriots at the Texans. New England opened up as six point favorites. They're all the way up to 9.5 now. Came total all the way down to 39 and a half opened at 46 and a half. So this is the lowest projected implied, I should say score of the week. With that said, I do think there are two guys on the Patriots. We can feel pretty good about starting. First of all, Damian Harris. I know it's been a rough last two weeks, but if you just want to look at defenses that I think the way they play and how ferocious their front sevens are, they can just eliminate a run game like almost automatically. It's for sure the Buccaneers and the Saints are not too far behind. That's who they played. Like the hilarious freaking rushing log from that Sunday night game tells you all you need to know. Like the Patriots had no, like I, they knew going that game, they were not going to run the ball. They didn't run the ball. They almost won the game, you know, terrible decision to kick that field goal aside. The important stuff for Damon Harris is even in this sort of matchup, Season high, 61% snaps. Season high, 18 routes. We are nine and a half point favorites. This is a spot we want to play. Damian Harris, multi-touchdown upside. I do think you got to find a way to squeeze him in your top 24, probably more like the top 20, top 18 running backs. As always, Dwayne and I get our rankings out, you know, usually Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. So that's why we're a little bit, you know, uh, uh, you know, Where not are you giving at right specific now? numbers. No, that's what I'm Where saying. Are you? 
I'm at 19. Okay. Like, that, that and, sounds and I'm, in my first, yeah. I'm in my first draft, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're on the money. I've got him sitting right at 19 right now. One spot behind James Robinson, one spot in front of Damian Williams. I could flip those tweet, those two. That's like where I'm like, you know, you know, me and like I sit here and like, I, I think about this stuff too much. Anyway, keep going. No, I, I, I think, uh, I think where you have those three, I would order them the same way. Uh, we're not buying Brandon Bolden. If you guys want to listen to Dwayne and I go through all the waiver uh, wire edition stuff, you can listen to the Tuesday edition of this podcast, but Hey, maybe he keeps the role for another week or two, but I just think JJ Taylor and eventually Ramondre Stevenson are going to get in there. So Bolden, you know, kudos 12, 12 year veteran or whatever. He's not going to be that guy. I think we would have seen it already if he was. Um, also, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver 16 in expected points, wide receiver 31 overall. Cool note from everyone's favorite late-round QB, J.J. Zacharyson. Last time Jacoby Myers scored a non-passing touchdown, December 2018 versus East Carolina. So it's been a minute for Jacoby Myers, but we would expect that too. you know, as the kids like to say, positively regress at some point. So Jacoby, I think is certainly in that, you know, upside wide receiver three conversation. And he's the pass catcher we're feeling good about. I would point out though, because Mac Jones has, you know, been getting a hell of a lot of benefit of the doubt here over the past few days. People want to crown his ass. Like it's, he's already a star. He's played well, arguably, if you just look at the entire season, I, it's hard to say he hasn't been the best rookie QB to this point. He needs to get this deep ball down. And I know a deep ball involves a quarterback and his receivers, not necessarily the greatest, you know, receiving Corey's thrown to, but she shows she's doing 34 qualified quarterbacks, PFF passing grade when throwing 20 yards downfield. Mac Jones is 31st. Yards per attempt, he's dead last. Adjusted completion rate, he's 33rd. QB rating, he is dead last. So it's really been a problem. And when we see some of these offenses that can't get the ball downfield, what happens eventually? Defenses load the box and dare you to do so. If you can't do it, then all of a sudden you're looking at one of the worst offenses in the league. So just something to keep an eye on with Mac Jones and company. That's going to be the next step in him elevating his game to another level. But the main story here, Great matchup against a Texans defense, I believe, is the fifth worst scoring unit in the league. Feel good about Damon Harris and Jacoby Myers in this spot. Dwayne, we could talk about Brandon Cooks if you want. I think that's about it. Yeah, no, I want to give time back, but let's just say lipstick is off the pig. Like, this offense is terrible. If you can still trade Brandon Cooks because someone in your league somehow really does believe he's a wide receiver one because he's ranked number nine right now. Just try to move. Look, his utilization is great. But like these things historically go back a long way. Really crappy quarterback plus a really good receiver that's getting the complete funnel still equals wide receiver three. You need, you know, if you at least had an average quarterback and then you had what Brandon Cooks is doing, then you could have a wide receiver two. But you don't have that right now. Maybe we will with Tyra Taylor gets back. So that's one thing you could hold out hope for. But yeah, let's move on. Let's give the people some time back. Let's give us some time back again. It's all about time. My week five quarterback predictions article, Davis Mills, most likely to see ghosts. And I even looked, checked it out, man. Rookie quarterbacks versus Bill Belichick. That's not like one of these trends that doesn't exist. Like Deshaun Watson, I believe, is the only guy since 2015 to even get over 220 passing yards and have multiple touchdowns in a game early in his career. But I'm, I'm going to go off on a, on, on a ledge here, whatever the hell the expression is. I don't think Davis Mills is as good as Deshaun Watson. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I just picture, I picture Bill Belichick, like in his coaching staff, like in his son and his mullet. Um, like, you know, that, that meme you see from Goodfellas where Ray Liotta is just like leaning back at the table, like laughing, like when they're getting ready for a rookie quarterback to come in, they're just like drawing this stuff up and they're all just cracking up. Like this guy's not going to know what to do. But yeah. <laughs> this, this trend goes way back. So good call out by you. 
Incredible. Lions at Vikings. Minnesota sitting at seven-point favorites after opening at eight and a half. Game totals up to 49 and a half, slightly up from the opening at 48. So with the Lions through four weeks, DeAndre Swift is our PPR RB7. Jamal Williams is our RB20. Expected points, DeAndre Swift is the PPR RB3 behind only Derrick Henry and Najee Harris. Again, people, targets historically worth about 2.7 carries. Hey, DeAndre Swift getting all the targets he can handle. That's why he's popping so well. But let's chill out on the like, oh my God, why are the Lions using DeAndre Swift? Why, why aren't they using him more conversation? He has been pretty freaking terrible as a rusher this year. And that's a small sample. It's four weeks and all that. But this also happened last year as well. Swift is an incredible receiver, but really any stat you want to look at, he's not doing good as a runner. And I'm going to go through four stats here because I think like anything, people like to hate on our PFF grades or they say QB rating or yards per attempt isn't any good. That's fine. Every stat is a piece of the puzzle. But when we combine four or five things and they're all reaching the same conclusion, that's when we can feel better about something. So, 46 qualified backs, PFF rushing grade. Jamal Williams is fifth. DeAndre Swift is 45th. Missed tackles force per carry. Jamal Williams is 15th. DeAndre Swift is 45th. Yards per carry. Jamal Williams is 19th. Swift is 42nd. Yards after contact per carry. Jamal Williams 21st. DeAndre Swift dead last at 46th. The dude is electric in the open field. I can't overstate that enough. I wish they threw him the ball more in the earlier parts of games. Like I believe our PFF Lily stat after the game breakdowns was how DeAndre, I think, has 11 receptions in the fourth quarter this year, only 12 or 13 in the first three quarters. So they should honestly throw him the ball more because that's what he's so good at. That's been the best part of this offense all year. I don't think that, you know, slandering Jamal Williams for being a lot better on early downs is really where we should be going with this, pals. So Swift. Great player. He's still a PPR, RB1 in the top 12 every single week. Jamal Williams, also a really good player and a lot better at some of the things that Swift struggles with. So I remember the Aaron Jones, you know, Jamal Williams things over the years. This isn't it. Jones was pretty much better at everything Jamal did. Jamal was just still a good running back in his own right. This is actually a really well done one-two punch in terms of them complementing each other, which, with, which one guy is good at, one guy is not so good at. So wanted to get that off my chest, but Swift, you're firing him up every single week with confidence. Williams, a more than fine flex option, man. Like it's going to be hard to rank, you know, 30 guys over him any given week. And TJ Hawkinson, you're continuing to fire up as a top five tight end. So enough on the Lions. Dwayne, happy Dalvin Cook week. Yeah, man. I uh, got him number two right now in the ranks. You know, we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. You know, last week he didn't play his full complement of snaps. Immediately, Alexander Madison was sharing you know, snaps with him right out of the gate. So we'll have to keep an eye on the injury. I'm sure he's going to be limited this week, but I would expect him to be more back to, you know, where we would think he would be, you know, this next week, you know, we'll, like we said, we'll keep an eye on the practice reports, but the matchup is great, man. Um, the RB strength of schedule, you know, is 9.9, .9, which is number two um, out of all the matchups for the week. Like only Zach Moss is higher. And then you got Damian Harris right behind him, which we just talked about with Houston. So when you get an elite back and that kind of matchup, and then you look at the offensive line run blocking advantage, you know, it's over 53. So that's a top five in the league. Um, yeah. I mean, when you're playing against the lions, like it's wheels up, we really want Dalvin. Like if you drafted Dalvin, you want him to be healthy for this week. This is because this is the one Ian, where it could be three touchdowns. I have Derrick Henry ranked number one right now, but if I knew Dalvin was fully healthy, I would have him in over yeah. King Henry who gets the Jaguars this week. Um, and, you know, another player, you know, we got to call out just a couple of quick ones. Um, against the Lions, everything looks good. 
and everything looks good. It's like, you know, it's almost like you're, you know, you've been drinking all day and you just come in, doesn't matter, whatever happens, just all looks good. And so whenever you're playing against the Lions, you really want to start every possible person you can. I have Justin Jefferson, you know, as my number three receiver, he gets the number one matchup wide receiver strength of schedule this week. He gets the number one matchup, 99.9 out of 100 for wide receiver cornerback matchup for the week. I know you'll be hitting on that here soon. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's a great week to be alive if you are a Viking. Um, also, I mean, look, it could easily be Adam Thielen be the main dude. Like he obviously gets the same wide receiver strength of schedule, but wide receiver cornerback matchup is an 88, which is third best on the slate. So you have the two best wide receiver cornerback matchups on the slate. And remember, guys, what the PFF matchup does now, because we know we don't always get the shadow and all this stuff. It actually looks at a player from a composite standpoint, and it looks at who we think is going to be lining up against the player throughout the whole game, right? So it's going to be a third X player, 20%, another player, 15% this player, 10% this other player. Like that, based on where the teams typically align them, how often they play in the slot, all that kind of cool stuff. So we've done a lot of work on that tool. So you should go check it out, the wide receiver cornerback matchup tool at PFF. So Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, wheels up. Real quick, Adam Conklin got over 70% of the routes last week, not quite up to the 80 we love, but 70% really gets you into the every week conversation of high-end tight end two, low-end tight end one. I can't tell you which one you're going to be, but you're probably going to be one of the two, right? That's where Mike uh, Gusecki lives. You know, that's where and historically Evan Ingram has lived, like all these tight ends that aren't just truly just only a touchdown dart, right? They they can give you four for 50 and not score a touchdown and still actually finish 13th or 14th. But if they score the touchdown with that, right, what do they do? They move up to 10th for the week. So he's now in that group. And it, what's nice is you're, con- you're seeing them continue to really expand his role. Conklin is a player they've liked for a long time. Um, they're getting, he's getting what we hoped Irv Smith would do, but Hey man, give the guy props. You know, he's, and he was, he was hurt early in the season. He injured his hamstring in preseason. So he's just looking better and better. Like they're, they're throwing him screen passes and all sorts of stuff. So excited about Tyler Conklin. Um, and I would actually give him a nod over Dalton Schultz, as far as the rest of the season in the pecking order on his team. I wish Chris Herndon was making this a two tight end system. He's not. Uh, yeah. Got, me too. We, Ian. we got, we got, Look, you got Cordell Patterson. You can't, beggars can't be choosers Ian. that's what my mom always told me eagles at panthers carolina sitting as three and a half point favorites game total down to 44 and a half after opening at 47 and a half at this point in this eagles offense we feel especially confident about two people and two people only jalen hurts who is 11th in rushing yards since taking over in week 14 last year as a starting quarterback he has ripped off fantasy finishes as the QB 11, the QB 1, the QB 12, the QB 20 and three quarters. Screw you, Nate Sudfield. The QB 5, the QB 10, the QB 10, and most recently, the QB 4. That honestly could have been a QB 1 performance had he had a little bit better luck with the old officials out there nullifying two of his passing touchdowns. And one of them went to none other than Devontae Smith. Wide receivers with a higher air yard share than Devontae. Brandon Cooks, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, and that is it. He is right next to Justin Jefferson. People, all wheels up for Devontae Smith. The separation ability that we hope for is fully on display. Yeah, he didn't have a great game against the Cowboys because Trayvon Diggs and that Cowboys defense are a lot better better than we thought they'd be. So Devontae, weekly borderline wide receiver two, I'm thinking worst case, upside wide receiver three. 
try to find a way to get this dude in your lineups. He is the undisputed number one pass game option in this offense. And Jalen Hurts, man, he's not the world's best passer, but the dude keeps putting up 300 yards. We don't care about style points in fantasy football. Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, fire them up. The Panthers defense, I think we saw last week against the Cowboys, really inspired first half. I mean, there was some hard hitting going on there. They're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I also don't think they're the world beaters that a lot of people saw during the first three weeks of the year. So Hurts, Devontae, we're feeling good. Otherwise, and Goddard, he's chilling in that same, you know, he's got a seat next to Mike Jasicki in the same tier. Zach Ertz, he's not breaking tackles as Zach Ertz, yeah, can tell us every single week on Twitter. But hey, he's out there probably in the lower tight end two tier as well. So let's talk some Panthers, Dwayne, because Chuba, not the best usage last week. Yeah, we saw a guy named Rodney Smith. Most of us probably didn't even know who he was, right? <laughs> Snuck out there. Hand up, I hand up. I saw his targets and I was like, come again? um excuse me yeah uh long down distance 92 percent. so long down distance means um second third or fourth down and over three yards to go it's a down where 90 percent of the time the nfl passes the ball over the last three years that's where i come up with these things they're not just you know random like some people ask who'd you come up with that well i did actually look at it i'm not saying i'm the smartest person but i do know how to like look up data so 92 percent of the long down distance 75 percent of the two-minute offense um, went to Rodney Smith, not to Royce Freeman, which was disappointing Ian, because we saw them give the, all of that work to him in the preseason. And then we saw the week before they gave all of that work to him after Christian McCaffrey left the game. But, you know, these things change. And it's just a it's a great example of, look, how we can do all this work. And all we can do is like try to get to the best possible answer we can. But we can never be 100 percent right on these things. And this is a great example of that. So, yeah, it really bumps, you know, um, Chuba down. And, you know, McCaffrey supposedly is going to try to see how things go tomorrow. Um, So we'll see what happens. Here's CMC public service announcement, like for all of us, like just just chill, dude, just give it another week. Like, look, we would love to have you. But we don't want we don't want you to be hurt again. Like that's mainly what we don't want. We do not want you to be hurt again. Now I never had the 101, so I don't even own CMC. So this is me loving all of you, the audience, because you know I could just be bitter about it. I never got the 101, but you know what? I'm not bitter. I may sound bitter, but I'm not. I'm happy for you. So we want CMC healthy. It's good for business. Good for fantasy football. Um. So yeah, Chuber Hubbard this week. I don't know where you're kind of. I know you don't have it all the way there yet, Ian. But I've got him really in my tier four. I've got him at RB 24 right now. I was, I was um, going to say low-end RB2, so right there. So look at you. Nailed it. Professional. <laughs> You're a professional. Um, the only other quick two things I'll hit on here, you know, you just talked about Jalen Hurts. Like, the Sam Darnold thing, man, with the rushing, uh, the design rushing attempts, no less. Meaning, like, team came out and said, look, we're going we're gonna to make this a run for Sam Darnold. 15%, you know, on the season. Only three other quarterbacks are ahead of him. You know, you named one of them, Jalen Hurts. Obviously, number one in the league is Lamar Jackson. So, is, is, is Daniel but, Jones the other one? Uh, no, Daniel Jones is one oh, below him. So it is Kyler. 14. Yeah, Kyler's above him. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, dude, it's crazy. No, sorry, Josh Allen's above him. Kyler dude, right now dropped down sense. one spot. So, but still, he won't finish there, but he's probably going to finish in the top six, top six or seven, which is just an added bonus that we didn't expect. You know, so you've got quarterback three and quarterback one finishes out of him, um, you know, these last two games. So you're pretty excited about Darnold. Man, he's got weapons. He and DJ Moore, man. Oh, my goodness. He and DJ Moore, they're on the same wavelength. I mean, Moore, listen to these targets. This is insane. 31%, 36%, 29%. Um, I mean, if you targets per router, high. Routes, high. Everything you could ever want, high. One quick thing here. Robbie Anderson. 
Okay, guys, last week, targets per route run jumped up to 26%. Well, what was going on last week in that game? What's, some, what's something that was different about last week's game that the Panthers aren't used to? They were trailing. So when they get into these more competitive game scripts, I think you're going to see more of Robbie Anderson because when you open things up, right, you know, there's just more opportunity for everybody. So Anderson, 29% of the targets last week, 12.8 ADOT. He was actually first on the team in air yards at 44%. Uh, I mean, look, normally a 26, you know, a 29% target day, um, at a 12.8, ADOT is going to give you a top 24 wide receiver finish. Unfortunately for Robbie last week, it equaled 48. Ian already mentioned the Cowboys. Um, there was a lot of pressure on Darnold. A lot of those throws were under pressure. There were some misses. There were some misses in there. So Darnold isn't perfect despite getting better. Um, so just something to keep an eye on with Robbie Anderson. I think we may move more into this mode of, okay, matchup, matchup dependent Robbie. Like that may be, you know, we'll have to come up with an acronym <laughs> or something. But keep an eye on that. MDR. Gotta love it. Saints at the football team. New Orleans sitting as two-point favorites. Game total at 44, down from 46 and a half. There's one player in the Saints offense that we are starting with confidence, and his name is Alvin Kamara, as you probably could have guessed. And, hey, it hasn't been great, people. PPR, RB15. It is. So we talk about the targets, but I will say, like, there is something to be said for running backs are just consistently sailing past 20 rush attempts as well. I mean, there's not many guys doing that. And that is Alvin Kamara right now. So he is actually RB5 in expected points. So I, I feel the pain. This is our reigning overall RB1 cheat code of a fantasy football player for past years. Now he's just a mid-tier RB1. So it's not the end of the world by any stretch. It's just a situation where, similar to Cordero Patterson, if you can find someone that wants to treat Alvin Kamara like he is still a candidate to be the overall RB1, great. Go get a huge haul for him. But otherwise, you're still not hating having Alvin Kamara in your lineup each and every week. And maybe this is the week we get the targets back up. Washington, courtesy of our guy Cordero Patterson, has allowed five receiving touchdowns, two RBs this season. Nobody else has more than three. And, man, it's just got to turn at some point. Sean Payton is a smart guy. Like, out of all the NFL coaches out there, I feel you know even more confident saying that about Sean than a lot of them. But so far, man, years 2017, 2020, first four weeks, Alvin Kamara had 28, 47, 24, and 35 targets. This year, just 14. So even if he's not going to be the 80-catch guy that we're used to seeing, I have a hard time believing he's going to be like a 35-catch guy on the same side of things. So, hey, we'll see what happens. And it, it, it is just interesting to note, though, Alvin Kamara, who I think a lot of people looking at his rushing success over the years, like he did seem like someone that was quote unquote different, just better than everyone else with the ball. But Dwayne, I think we're seeing a little bit of like the, you know, the three point shooter who's 50% when he shoots it four times a game, all of a sudden you boost it up to eight times a game and they're not shooting 50% anymore. Career low, 3.9 yards per carry for Kamara, 2.8 yards after contact and 5.1% stuff rate, which means he's basically getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage more than he has before. So, not fantastic stuff for Alvin Kamara this year on the ground, but Hey, when you're the sole focus of the offense, getting 25 plus rush attempts per game, it's going to be hard to, you know, surprise a bunch of people in the open field. So cautiously optimistic, we get a nice week, but again, if he goes into this one and, you know, manages to score two touchdowns, we don't see the targets go up at all. That's when maybe I would try to sell him as a big dog that he's just, you know, more of a medium upper medium sized dog at this point, Mr. Alvin Kamara, Dwayne, Ooh, we got Terry McLaurin. Taylor Heineke has given us that, but Antonio Gibson, like let, let's just break some more hearts here. 
Yeah, man, with Gibson, I mean, well, number one, he did leave the game briefly last week at the end of the game. He came back in with a rib injury, so let's keep an eye on the practice reports. But, yeah, this is a tough spot. Last week, you know, with Saquon Barkley, you know, I still kept him in the top 12 just because of the expected volume. Gibson's just a different cat, though, right? We just don't – we don't know for sure. Well, actually, we do know for sure. People don't like it, but we do know for sure. He's only going to get about half of the passing work. And so a player coming in to face the Saints – um, kind of banged up a good rush defense. Um, I just don't like it this week. I've got him at RB 17 right now. I've got him behind Jonathan Taylor. I've got him behind Clyde Edwards Lair. I've got him one spot behind Kareem Hunt. Like we're going to put some, we're going to have to put some respect on Kareem Hunt's name here. Eventually um, we'll get to that. I'm on and it. So I, 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 I got some respect ready for you. Him. Got you got it. I love it. I got it. You love it. So uh, Antonio Gibson. Yeah. I mean, Look, it is what it is at this point. He, you know, in better matchups, if we don't think he's injured, he's still going to be a high-end RB, you know, two. You know, in this matchup here, he's more of a mid-range RB2, you know, that could finish more like a low-end RB2. Like this could be a bad game for Gibson. If you got him, you're probably still going to start him. Yeah, McLaurin, man, wheels up like 100 percent of the routes, 100 percent of the routes, 98 percent of the routes, um, targets, 32%, 29%, 39%. So like people are talking about DJ Moore. Terry McLaurin's doing the same thing. Yeah. In the last in the last three weeks, he's got a PPR finish of three, forty-five, and four. So you know he's not foolproof, but no no receiver is. Like go back and look at these things, folks. I know we want to think in our heads like, oh, I got a top twelve receiver. Like they finished in the top twelve every week. No, they don't. Like they have weeks where they're outside the top thirty-six. It does happen. You know, especially in the passing game. Like just a couple little things go long and over, uh, go wrong and overthrow here and overthrow there. Too much pressure in the quarterback's face on the pass where the wide receiver's wide open. These little things add up and you see them happening. You're watching them happen in the games on Sunday, but those things add up, you know, for these receivers. And so the other thing I'll talk about really quick outside of T uh, McLaurin being a high end wide receiver two, the rest of the way for me, he's obviously going to have these smash wide receiver one weeks um, is Curtis Samuel. He did get back to play a little bit. So if you're in a really deep format, I know we talked about it a little bit on the waiver wire, but I don't think we talked about Curtis Samuel. So just keep him in mind. If you're in that super deep format, only play 38% of the routes, but I expect that number to grow. It's coming from Diami Brown. It's not coming from Adam Humphreys. So Adam Humphreys is really, he's slotted into a certain role. It looks like this will be mostly taken away from Diami Brown, which won't necessarily be a good thing. The nice thing with Samuel is they were trying to design things for him. So it was almost more like a week one. He was more of the Rondell Moore gadget player, 25% targets per route run. Like, so when he was out there, quarter of the time, they were trying to get the ball in Curtis Samuel's hands, trying to get him going. So I would expect that number to creep up probably towards like 60%. And then maybe the week after we get more like 80, 90% Curtis Samuel, you know, and he may top out around 70%. I don't think Diami Brown has been bad. He hasn't necessarily gotten, you know, the fantasy points, but everything I've read from the coaching staff and the different things he's doing to help the offense out overall, Diami Brown was actually playing pretty well, um, according to the Washington coaching staff. One more note, Logan Thomas got hurt with the hamstring injury. And as I was watching the game, I saw a couple of nice catches from Ricky Seals Jones, even had some nice yak on a play. And I told myself like, all right, let's go back. Make sure we focus on the snap right here, because if he's out there all the time, that's actually good. But he's one of those, you know, really pass receiving first tight ends where I wasn't sure if that'd be given to him. 93% snaps, Dwayne. They basically said, okay, Ricky, you are now our version of Logan Thomas. So I think Conklin, Schultz, there's plenty of streamers that you're playing ahead of Ricky Seals-Jones. I get that. But people, for the sweet, sweet price of the minimum 2500 at tight end this week, Ricky Seals-Jones is absolutely your guy. It's just a great name, too. 
come on, Ricky Seals Jones, like, let's get this thing done. Like, it sounds like it should be, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a hick country name, which fits. Like I live out in the country. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Ian. RSJ Titans at the Jaguars, Tennessee sitting as four point favorites game total at 48 and a half. You know, I'm, I'm seeing people just down Tannehill once again, didn't have his top two receivers, got sacked seven times, still PFF's third highest graded passer, 12th in big time throw rate percentage, fifth in term of worthy play rate percentage. I like going back and watching the games because when I see Tannehill underwhelm on the stat sheet, it's refreshing to me to see Josh Reynolds drop a touchdown pass and then drop another 50-yard bomb down the field. Like that game, unfortunately, is an L in the sheet for, you know, Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Don't think he was the reason why. And this week we're going to find out just how good Tanny can be against a bad defense, regardless if AJB and Julio Jones are back in the picture. Because Jacksonville Jaguars this year, everything going on with their head coach aside, Yards per attempt allowed, the 31st. Explosive pass play rate allowed, 27th. Pass yards after the catch per completion, 24th. QB rating allowed, 28th. All wheels up for Tannehill this week. I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. I'm expecting Tannehill to get that job done. And there's a big dog, Derrick Henry. At, as you said, the RB1 of the week, even with Dalvin Cook going up against the Lions, we know he's a little bit banged up. So we've all seen the Derrick Henry high school game log, and it was 13 games. They just fed this dude 30, 40, 50 carries a week. It didn't matter, and Henry ran over some poor future accountants each and every time. 462 carries in those 13 games. This year, he's on pace for 480 so maybe the Titans coaches finally saw that tweet and they're like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's go for it. It's just the most absurd amount of volume ever. Like we're not used to seeing Derrick Henry do this in September, December and January. Like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I get it. But the fact he's doing this when it's still warm out, man, is absolutely wild. So feel good about Tannehill. We got Derrick Henry. I'm still not really into any of these wide receivers in and of themselves. Please. Please get healthy, A.J. Brown or Julio and or Julio Jones. We want to see you guys back. This is the Jaguars matchup that we want, just like how the Vikings are playing the Lions. Like, this is not the game we want you to miss. Hopefully, those hamstrings are feeling a little bit better here come Sunday. Dwayne, James RB1, son, maybe, if Carlos Hyde stays sidelined. Yeah, man, if, if Hyde's out, like, it's wheels up, you know, for Robinson. I've already got him at RB18. You got a nice matchup, 6.9 on the RB SOS strength of schedule. So if you guys don't know how that works, like, basically, we use the PFF grades to look at, you know, overall, like, the matchup, you know, um, from a standpoint um, of the defense. And so looking at, okay, how good are they, you know, on their defensive line, their linebackers, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's all, you know, just go look at Eric Eager, like, and then, you know, see all these weird numbers going around and said, you guys think I'm like the data person, like Eric Eager is like on another planet. And so he helped build that. Um, so it's an awesome tool that I use a lot. So James Robinson looking really good. If he gets all of it though, I mean, I'll continue to move him up. Like if we hear that Carlos Hyde is out, I, it's really, you're going to have to get James Robinson into your top 12. He's going to be, he will be a running back one this week. Um, Trevor Lawrence, you actually brought it up yesterday. You know, I know Andrew Erickson brought up the, uh, you know, the zone read stuff, you know, it's been a consistent thing that we've seen now over the early part of the season. We were not seeing any design rushes for Trevor Lawrence went from 0% week two to 12% week three to 22%. You know, I have no clue who's going to be on the sideline for the Jaguars. You know, I don't even know if it's going to matter. Um, you know, so I don't know who will be calling, who will be calling plays. We'll be running the team uh, with everything going on with Urban Meyer, but you know, Trevor Lawrence is kind of a sneaky you know, I'm probably going to squeak him in to just a couple of DFS lineups, you know, Ian, just because strength of schedule from a quarterback standpoint is at least neutral. Um, you know, it's the, the, it's not a situation where he's probably going to be under quite as much pressure. He's looking 
a little better every single week. Now it hasn't been great. Now I know last week, oh yeah, great. He ran the ball. We didn't throw for over 300 yards. Well, they let the game every play until the end, right? When the Bengals won. So that's more of a, Hey, the coaches basically said, let's just try not to lose the game. Can't necessarily put that on Trevor Lawrence. So this game's got a, you know, a total of 48.5. So I feel pretty good about Lawrence, you know, probably will land. I haven't got to putting a number on him, but I've got him in my fourth tier of quarterbacks. Um, so it's where he's kind of got a match up, you know, we'll watch it as the week goes, see what ownership or see what roster ship's going to look like, you know, in DFS, but Trevor Lawrence is a name that's interesting to me. Then just real quick, we hit on this. I don't have to hit it a lot, but Levisica Chenault, even though his routes didn't go up, his role did look like it may have evolved one data point. We'll have to see what it looks like again this week, but it makes sense to me. And like, if you're going to have Tavon Austin out there as well to let him work more underneath now, right. Instead yeah. of having him try to stretch the field, that's really the kind of player he is which could then in turn let Chenault still work out of the slot, but work more down the seams, work in behind the linebackers, use a little play action. Maybe you get some of those read option RPO type things going and you try to do some of the things like what, you know, the Ravens do with Mark Andrews and with Lamar Jackson off the same type of look. So there's some potential there. Um, I do like Chenault. I think he'll end up in my top 36 receivers this week. He'll be really close. There's a, there's a lot of good ones this week. This is a good week for receivers, um, especially up top. Like there's some monsters coming. Um, so we'll see where he lands, but I, I am looking forward to see how Chenault's role grows um, and can't forget Marvin Jones. What I like about this now, look, Ian, like we didn't like, I didn't like this, honestly, inefficient offense was running enough plays, but basically, you know, trying to spread it out across three to four players now you've got really a below average off offense that could really funnel in to two players that we know are capable of probably taking on more targets. It's not like you can just give targets to anybody, but I think these two players are capable, you know, of carrying a little bit more of the load in LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones. So I, I, I like that. I like having this funneled down to just these two players. And it's not that I want anyone to be injured, but instead of having four or five players trying to spread it out across. It's almost like, uh, you know, Dwayne, maybe that's why we were a lot lower on Robinson Visca compared to consensus before the season. So credit to all those truthers, you know, I guess they just knew that ETN and Hyde were going to get hurt and that Tark was going to get hurt. Like <laughs> Visca, sure. the Visca and Robinson victory laps are going to, you know, just take me to a new level of tilt, but we will address that uh, when it happens. Battle for Florida Dolphins at the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay as 10 point favorites after opening up a seven and a half. Game totals at 48 down from 50 and a half. Nightmare spot for Miami. If you don't have a single player in their offense and you're on your team, really, if your starting lineup is another story, you should feel pretty blessed. It's just, this is horrendous, man. We already know the running backs are out of the picture. Said this on the game review pod, but you can cut Miles Gassing at this point. Malcolm Brown was the running back, y'all, last week. And even that was giving away plenty of stuff to Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. Every now and then, we can live with the three RB committee if it's like in a good offense with the fine rules. This is the 31st ranked scoring offense, and they don't have the fine rules. So no, none of the running backs. And even that receiver, man, it's tough right now. We got Monder Will Fuller. He broke a finger last week. Seems pretty important when your goal is to catch passes we know fuller's got those tiny hands as it is you know and all that so i knew you were gonna say that that's why i was already laughing fuller <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuller definitely can't be in your starting lineups this week. And it's tough for Waddle and Devontae Parker too, man. I really think both of them are great receivers, but I just don't really see how Jacoby is going to deal with this Tampa Bay pass rush in this one. It's not just on Jacoby, but it's also somewhat on Jacoby and it's on the Miami offensive line. Wherever you want to blame it on, it's been rough. Miami has gotten pressure at the 30 at the second highest rate in the entire league this year. They rank 26th in pressure rate when the ball's out in under two and a half seconds, dead last in more than two and a half seconds. So when Jacoby gets the ball out fast, he's getting pressured at a high rate. When he holds on the ball, he is getting pressured more than literally anybody else. And he is, you know, he's 26th in fastest average time to release. So Jacoby is not helping himself out. But again, even when he does get rid of it quickly, he's still got guys in his face. So yeah, Mike Tosicki, I think is the only one we can feel somewhat good about. 10 catches, 86 yards two weeks ago, five catches, 57 yards in a tutty last week. But people, again, with Fuller's out there and Parker's out there and Waddle's out there more weeks than not, I just don't know how Jasicki keeps this up. He has played nine, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine total snaps as an inline tight end this year. Why is Jasicki even called a tight end on these fantasy sites? I don't know. Taysom Hill has played 24 snaps as an inline tight end this year, almost three times as many as Mike Jasicki. Like, I, I'm going to become a sports agent and make millions of dollars. And my only clientele is going to be like college tight ends coming out. And I'm just going to make them change their positions to wide receivers. And the coaches are going to be like, we're going to use them as a tight end. And I'll say, that's fine, but you're going to pay him as a wide receiver. And that's my pitch. That's my entire pitch. It's my entire job. It's going to be great. You know, Dwayne will have our PFF agent service going. That's all we're going to do. So that'll be a great new income source when it comes uh, to fruition. But yeah, people, you can feel pretty good about Mike Desicki, but truly do not start any of these guys if you can't avoid it. Let's talk some Buccaneers, though, Dwayne, because this might just be Leonard Fournette rocket ship week. Yeah, it is. I've got him at number 11 right now. Um, so, I mean, you're in a big game with a, you know, 10 and a half points, you know, as far as being favorites. So it's, it, you expect more running. Look, the Buccaneers pass in every situation. <laughs> so no one throws the ball more than the Buccaneers. When you look at it leading, they leading their number one, they throw the ball the most when leading when they're in a close game, which is within three points, they throw the ball the fourth most when they're trailing, which is over, which is four points or more, you know, behind they're the first. So they're going to throw the ball. You don't have to worry about your receivers. This is almost kind of like a Josh Allen thing at this point, but there's going to, but the good thing is like with Fournette, like it's not like it's Zach Moss versus Singletary it's Fournette. And then it's like, Ronald Jones. like you could say it like, it's kind of like Fournette. There's a difference, like in the way, like I don't know where my brain comes up with this stuff. But anyway, so Fournette's inside my top twelve this week. Um, you guys don't need to hear me try to be, you know, bring comic comedic relief. Anymore. It's not a, it's uh, not an early down split anymore. Last year we didn't know if it was going to be Rojo or Lenny. It's the full Lenny show. Even if Geo is back Lenny. this week, man, we're still looking at like fifteen to twenty rushes against a Dolphins defense that, uh, let me see, hasn't stopped freaking anyone on the ground this year. Yeah, and leading, look, there won't be a role for Geo. So, like, really, you only need Lenny at this point to be, you know, like he's our buddy. You only need Lenny. You only need Lenny to be in, um, you, you know, if it's a situation where the where the Bucks are going to trail, right, then that obviously that's what shelters Fournette's value because then no matter what way the game script goes, you're okay. So for some reason – the Dolphins were to come out and jump out 14 to nothing because of weird crap like tip passes and stuff like that, you know, passes off a receiver's hands that turn into a pick six, like where things happen in the NFL. That's the beauty of 
Neo Geo not being there. Um, but really, to be honest, like in this game, yeah, you could still, if, if Geo plays, I'm going to move Fournette down. I, my guess is they don't need Geo for this game. Like just let, why, why play him? Let him rest. He's got a sprained MCL. You know, I would let him, I would just let him sit out. And here's the cool thing. You can still start all your receivers. You can still start them all because they throw the ball enough. Like they could score 35 in the first half, you know, and that could all go to receivers and it could just be the Fournette show in the second half. So you can play all of your bucks this week. I've got Tom Brady at number five. I've got the receivers. Um, probably will all be, they'll all be in my top 36 Brown. Antonio Brown might be slightly outside of that. He'll be really close. He's not there for as many routes, but his targets per route run. Remember that's the equation. Routes can be lower if targets per route run kick ass. And so that's what Antonio Brown has going for him when he's out there a quarter of the time, Tom Brady looks for him, even though he didn't get to get to run as many routes as the other guys. Um, whereas when you look at Evans, his targets per route run 21%. When you look at Chris Godwin, his targets per route run right now is kind of gross, 14%. Um, so come on, Chris, like, let's get that up. Um, but, it, you know, that'll level out. So the point being, you know, Antonio Brown, just because his routes are lower, doesn't mean he should be as far behind those other guys when you put the whole equation together. Gosh, that drop might even be a strong word. I have to see what we charged him with. But if AB could have come down with that one in the corner of the end zone, go ahead, oh, yeah. touchdown with that two minutes out. left. Yeah. Oh man, like Brady put it on him. It was raining. It was in the back of the end zone again. It would have been a great catch, but just would have been such a fun revenge game, like almost near walk-off touchdown for AB. I understand a lot of people aren't a big fan of AB. He's a great football player. Like I'm a big fan of the UFC and a lot of people, and like in any profession, you got some bad apples there, but I like watching these guys when they play football and it sucks when they make bad decisions in their personal life. But I just, you know, I'm a fan of revenge games. I'm a fan of uh, when Antonio Brown's making big plays out there on the field would have been a great one, but nothing can compare to the, you know, tilt that OBJ and I should say Baker Mayfield gave us. So whatever, all good, <laughs> all good TV 12 and AB Green Bay Packers at the Cincinnati Bengals Packers down to a three point favorite actually opened that six. So the public is buying into the Bengals or at least the sharps are somebody is game total sitting at 50. Let's talk Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. I always send out nice little heat map chart on Tuesdays. It's got the previous week's usage of all the running backs and you can see just RB one RB two. No, I'm not breaking it down. And you know, your third downs and everything that Dwayne provides for you in the utilization report. It's teamwork. And all that. It's teamwork Ian. It's teamwork. Makes the dream. Work. And you can happily take that and put it into your chart and I won't be mad. We, we good brother, but Hey, it all requires additional context. So I do go through it eventually and start to look at those things. And with the Packers, I just want to clear this up. No, this is not suddenly a split backfield. The Packers were up 27 to 10 with 20 minutes left last week. The snaps in quarters one through three, Aaron Jones, 40, AJ Dillon, 16 carries Aaron Jones, 14, AJ Dillon, seven targets, Aaron Jones, four, AJ Dillon, just one. Aaron did fumble and he lost it at the end of the third quarter. I really don't think they sent their $48 million running back to the doghouse. So Aaron Jones continue to fire him up as a top five back. You don't need more than two hands to rank the guys you want in front of him. I think moving forward, we know Devontae Adams. We know Aaron Rodgers. I really wouldn't go point chasing with Randall Cobb. The usage wasn't all that great. And he just happened to catch two touchdowns. Do we think Devontae Adams is going to go scoreless with 60 yards every week? I highly doubt he has that happen maybe for the rest of the season. So good on Cobb, but it could be Lazard. It could be Tunyon. It could be any of these guys. The only sure things in this offense are Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers. I feel good about that. So 
That's all I got here, Dwayne. Let's talk uh, some Bengals because Joe Mixon, depending on who you're talking to, I tend to trust Schefter over Zach Taylor week to week, day to day. What about Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Evans? What are they bringing to the table? Yeah, real quick on Dylan, just kind of like one other layer of context. So um, he had 15 attempts in the game. Half of those came in the four-minute offense. Four-minute offense is basically we're just trying to get out of the stadium. And so <laughs> half of those carries came in that situation. So I think you nailed it. Just add a little, little you know, context matters. Just give a little, <laughs> little more context, you know, Ian. So, yeah, when you come up to the Bengals, I'm with you. I you know, I don't, I don't have Mixon in my rankings right now. <laughs> I've got an X next to, to, to Mixon, but I approach things a little different than other, than other ways some people approach rankings. Um, but for now I've got him out. I'll add him back in just because I, I don't believe he's going to play. So with Samaji P Ryan, I'm assuming right now that Mixon is not going to be out there and I've got him at running back 23. Um, it's an average matchup, a little above average, you know, against the Packers. I, I don't, I'm not necessarily crazy about this game from a volume standpoint. It feels like it, it's kind of weird. It's a 50 and a half point game. Like we'll see, like if that feels, that feels high to me. Um, but you know, efficiency can come, you know, in smaller plays, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to have a team that runs. We have a lot of teams that run a lot of plays that suck. So there, there's all sorts of shapes and sizes that, that make the NFL go round. But when I look at the Bengals, man, the overall thing really for me, Ian, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a mirror of what we just talked about earlier um, of the Seahawks. And it's just that the offense, man, it's so slow. 31st in plays per game, 31st in plays per minute. They run the ball, the third most in the league pass the ball 30th most in the league and so when they're trailing they run the ball the third most when they are close they run the ball the ninth most when they lead they run the ball the fifth most in the nfl so that gives you the context like they want to run the ball they really don't care they just they want to run the ball so that's a good thing for p ryan we could see joe burrow slowly start to open things up i would love that i would like them to while you're at it go ahead and let's tack on another 10 plays to the game so we can maybe be able to start all three of these receivers. But the day's coming. We'll see what happens with T Higgins, you know, been out the last two games with a shoulder, but Ian, once he's active, man, I'm telling you, it scares me. Like I just don't. And we've been talking about it actually since week one and it's just worked out so that it hasn't been a huge issue. Jamar chase, you know, finished 41 week two, that was kind of a low point, but then came back with, you know, finished uh rank number seven in week three. Then he was, was wide receiver 29 last week, didn't score a touchdown, but looked nice. You know, then you had Tyler Boyd, who's been 34, 31 and nine over the last three weeks. But man, once Higgins is back, you know, and you're spreading this out 20%, 20%, 18%, like they're all kind of split evenly somewhere in that range. I just worry. I mean, it's just tough to, to go out there with 55 plays and then say a half of those are a pass. And then you're going to divide that up by 20%, 20%, 20%. I mean, you folks can do the math. That's not too difficult. Um, it's not a good situation. It doesn't mean that you don't, we don't like the players. We like them. And the way I look at it is if you have them, you're going to start them, but just be ready. You're going to get weeks that are just bad from one of these players. Might not be this week. The Darius Smith and Jair Alexander being out, that gives you probably one of the worst defenses in the league, honestly, if all things uh, you know are considered with that. So might be able to live on efficiency for another week or two. But yeah, we need that sweet, sweet volume to come eventually for these guys to meet preseason expectations. We got the Broncos at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh sitting as one-point favorites after opening at four and a half. People buying to the Broncos a little bit. Let me – got to pull up the actual game total. You Are know what? people brought buying into the Broncos or selling on Ben? 
I think I'm assuming selling on Ben here. There we go. Game total is, oh my goodness. Game total open at 45. We're all the way down to 39 and a half or 40, depending on the sports book you're looking at. So yeah, I think they're really down on Ben and they're definitely fading the Drew Locke experience, which you know what? I mean, as someone, obviously we don't want anyone to get hurt, but I was excited to watch Drew Locke come in for Teddy last week. And other than one play that ended up getting nullified on a hold, like it was horrendous i know that it's usually more bad than good for drew lock but this was like 99 bad and you know one percent good that they end up taking away from me as it was so yeah this it's basically what i said about the miami offense like if you can avoid playing anyone involved right now from Denver, it's probably a good idea. Cortland Sutton needs to be downgraded to the wide receiver three range. And even with Teddy back, I mean, I, I would feel better about starting Sutton, but this passing game just in this spot, I'm not liking it. I mean, I, we had the concerns about Teddy facing a tougher schedule because of how long he's holding the ball. And just, you know, I, I appreciate him pushing the ball downfield more, but when you start to face some real defenses and you're holding that ball, waiting for that perfect opportunity, it can be a little more problematic, but I still think Sutton is going to be a top 36 guy, you know, moving forward here. Once Judy comes back though, and then all of a sudden it's getting crowded again, that could be where the problems arise. It's not impossible for Sutton to do his thing as bad as Drew Locke is. He's capable of throwing for over 200 yards in games. And if Sutton's getting 50% of that, we're feeling fine with it. It's just, you know, the floor is much lower with Locke than Teddy under center. No fan. Low end, tight end one. If you happen to have Fant and another tight end one on your roster, you should probably start the other guy. And then for the running backs, man, like Melvin Gordon, Javante, stay splitting. I wish they would give it to Javante already. I feel like we have seen all the evidence we need. Credit to Gordon for busting that 70-yard touchdown against the Giants in week one. Otherwise, I think Javante has fairly clearly been the number one back. League high, 0.37 missed tackles forced per carry. Again, you know, and I'll say this, all respect, and this is one of the few times I'll say all respect to this guy, all respect to Taysom Hill. That was a baller, beast mode-esque run he had into the end zone last week. But Javante, man, if it wasn't Taysom Hill as number one run of the week, it was definitely Javante. He had this like 30-yard burst where he broke a good three tackles within three yards of the line of scrimmage, and he literally dragged some poor Raven defender. I didn't even look up his name because I didn't want to just you know rub it in anymore. But he dragged this dude 20 yards. I'm not exaggerating. This guy was on his Javante back for 20 yards again one of the best runs of the week so dynasty javante all wheels up and you know 2022 i'm feeling great about it unfortunately melvin gordon is just too much of a throw on the side at the moment to rank these guys as anything more than you know mid to low end rb3 so in terms of implied points we talk about this, Dwayne. All implied points are people is when you just t- take the spread and the game total and you figure out how many points each side of the matchup are implied to score. Only the Texans and the Dolphins are implied to score fewer points than the Broncos this week. You don't feel good about the Texans. You don't feel good about the Dolphins, and you shouldn't. Don't feel good about the Broncos as well. And Dwayne, man, the Steelers aren't far off from that conversation now. We got yeah. Najee and Deontay, and I'm pretty sure that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, and Najee, you're going to push more towards the mid, low to low end part of your RB rankings for RB1 this week. Um, when you look at it, he's got bottom three matchup RBSOS, bottom five matchup probably as far as offensive line run blocking advantage. And then you already talked about the total and the implied points. Um, the one thing with Deontay Johnson, like, so this offense is the opposite of the Bengals. The Bengals don't run enough plays, but they've been pretty efficient in the passing game. The Steelers have actually picked up their pace, which has been good because that was terrible too, but they throw the ball the most 
in the entire NFL. Um, now they trail a lot because they're not very good, um, but their trail pass rate is seven. Their close pass rate is seven. Their lead pass rate is seven. Um, and all that cool stuff that we talked about with Matt Canada and all those things that were going to happen. Like, it's just, it's like, I don't know. It's kind of out the window. It's like, okay, just let Ben kind of do his thing. They're still trying to do certain things, but it um, looks like they just want to try to drop back and throw the ball, you know, at this point. And, you know, they're usually behind by like 28 points by the time, you know, the kickoff starts. So that's not helping. Deontay Johnson doesn't really matter who his matchup is. Like the dude gets open. Um, and if you look at him, I mean, so 32% of the targets in week two, 34% of the targets last week in a tough matchup, um, 51% of the team's air yards. Like, so like he is the alpha. So you've already hit it. Whereas you've got Juju Smith-Schuster targets per route run on the season, 17%. That's very mad. Uh, you have Chase Claypool, 23%, but that was a week, you know, where he was really kind of, that's getting boosted a little bit by the week and a half, not the week and a half, but by the week where you really didn't have, um, you know, Deontay out there. So Juju's not looking good though. I mean, so if Claypool can get back, you know, he was out of the hamstring last week, like, and I had to start two receivers out of this offense. I would, Deontay's the clear number one. Claypool at this point is my clear number two and Juju would be third in line. I prefer not to have him anywhere near my lineups if I can avoid it. I agree with that, Dwayne. It's Juju, man. It's just Juju. And it's not even his fault necessarily in this one. Usually we've had a lot of reasons to complain, but you know, one of the things, one of the sheeshes we brought up on the Sunday night pod, wide open, potential 30 yard touchdown, spoiler alert, big Ben sailed it. Before we move on, people, let's take a quick break to pay some bills. I want to give a shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Has a week five offer. Every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 time the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say it's a no-brainer. Download a DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. Third on $1 in any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. As always, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restricting supplies to DraftKings.com. So Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, please note the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game days. So team out to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. And it's football season, baby. You know what that means. It means we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. Listening through hairs has never been easier it's time that you for you to join two million men worldwide who trust manscape by using code pff at manscape.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping three and out the window with all of the trimmers now go tame that wildcat offense again 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscape.com it's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code pff Right back to the pod. Four o'clock games now. Bears at the Raiders. Las Vegas at five and a half point favorites after opening at three and a half. Game totals at 44 and a half down from opening at 46 and a half. You know, Dwayne, I got pretty mad during the middle of our podcast yesterday talking about Matt Nagy still crowning Andy Dalton as the QB one. If he is healthy, we will see if he is, you know, with fields. I would say if he's under center again, like it's, we're just not quite seeing the sort of design usage that we were hoping for. I know maybe some of the percentages are, are 
are looking better in the future. But at the end of the day, three rush attempts in his first full starts, that's not good. Maybe without David Montgomery, they feel more inclined to lean on Justin as a runner. But, I mean, that whole just playbook in the last game, it was better. They were playing to his strengths more, but they aren't just willing to put the full offense on his plate just yet. So. I don't understand Matt Nagy. Why, why did you draft him if you're not going to use that part? Like, I don't get it. Like, it totally blows my mind. And how you set him up for success to really – get the defense guessing and concerned about other things is to use that part of the game. I just, I, Matt Nagy blows my freaking mind. Like I do not get it. The whole thing, you know, he writes that you be you on his little play chart. Like he should erase that. Don't be you be someone else, Matt, because it sucks. We are who we pretend to be and it's not working for Mr. Slash coach Nagy, but yeah, people, I mean, Justin Fields, if he had, 30 pass attempts a game and 10 rush attempts. Like we all would figure like we all would design for him. If we were coaching, he'd be great. 17 pass attempts and three rush attempts, you know, unless you're Russell Wilson, this could be hard to make much out of that. So fields try to find a better streamer this week. Uh, Alan Robinson, Darnell Mooney. They're both mid-tier wide receiver threes. I pushed back on Dwayne last week, and when he called a Rob a wide receiver three, here I am with my you know tail between my legs saying, please forgive me. He is a wide receiver three at this point. It pains me. Uh, funny enough, PFI projections actually have Darnell Mooney, wide receiver 30, Allen Robinson, wide receiver 31. So hot take there from our projection machine. And they have Damian Williams as RB24. Dwayne, I believe that's right around where you said, you know, I think you had him RB20, 21. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. Adam. I think that's very fair. Again, I'd say RB24 is probably closer to the floor, but yeah, somewhere in that 19 to 24 range. There is a chance Khalil Herbert, who has flashed a little bit on kick return. I know he's someone that a lot of people in the pre-draft process had pegged as, you know, the RB4, RB5 after the big group of guys. So he could be involved, but I do think Damian, more likely than not, gets a similar role to what we saw Montgomery had before he got hurt, which was 80% snaps in week two and 82% in week three. So it's a little bit like the Chuba Hubbard situation where we're kind of being a little cautious this week because we're not positive what it's going to be. But Damien, like worst case, he's going to be a low end RB2. Best case, if we see that 80% snap rate, he's going to be in that RB1 discussion as early as next week. So we did find out with Dave Montgomery, he's expected to miss four to five weeks. So not season ending variety, but a little bit longer than just, you know, a one to two week absence for sure. Dwayne, let's talk about the Raiders who did not put their best foot forward on Monday night, but at the same time, hey, three and one offense is still generally look good. Three games out of the year. Defense starting to sl- come back to earth just a little bit. Still a lot of exciting pieces, though, to be proud of. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Josh Jacobs also returned to the game and he pretty much took everything. So I know we were concerned and that and honestly, like he's still playing hurt. <laughs> you know, and you could you could you could tell. So, I mean, he handled 13 out of the 16 um, rushing plays. He was actually out there for 36 out of 57 snaps, whereas you just didn't have as far as Peyton Barber had one snap in the game. So it is truly all Josh Jacobs and what we were getting out of Peyton Barber, you know, we could get out of Jacobs and this should be a game where the Raiders um, should win, you know, they're five and a half point favorites. Um, they could be ahead. And so you can see Jacobs get utilized. The big thing for me, looking at that game, we got a season high in, in Henry Ruggs routes, 83%. And man, like he had another one. Um, you know, he had another great catch, but he had another play where Carr missed him. Like he's been missed now on two of these, basically attacking the backside safety, he basically just sees him and he runs at it. And by the time the safety reacts and like turns his hips, it's like, bye, dude. Like, see, like it's like Tyreek Hill kind of 
you know, I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but that speed that he uses getting to the backside safety like that, um, it's legit, man. And I've seen that play, I think, every game now. Um, and I want to say maybe I've seen the throw five times and it's been completed twice. So, like, there's some big things coming potentially for rugs. Remember what Aguilar did in this offense, you know, last year when he wasn't getting up, you know, 95%, you know, of the routes. So, you look at the variety of routes that Henry Ruggs is getting. It's just another, just keep him on your radar. Brian Edwards, you know, played even more than that, but he just, I don't know what it is, if it's because he's working the same areas of the field, you know, as Darren Waller, or if there's just not the trust there with him and Derek Carr, despite like being out there more. And he just doesn't look to him a lot. You know, it's like last night, I think we were in the fourth quarter before Brian Edwards even had a target. Maybe he had one target before that, but before he had a reception for sure, um, it was the fourth quarter. So with Edwards, you know, if you're in a super deep format, you want to hold on, you can, but I definitely just, he's a wide receiver six stash kind of play, you know, right now at this point. Whereas I think Ruggs is more like a, wide, a high end wide receiver five stash where he could work his way up into the wide the low end wide receiver three range, like what you were just talking about with Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, players like that. Um, obviously, people don't even talk about Darren Waller. Um, but assuming that Josh Jacobs is healthy and ready to go this week, he'll probably be borderline in my top 24, you know, backs because I do expect um, the Raiders to lead this week. More than likely on principle, I'll keep him out of the top 24, but he'll almost be there. I'm surprised that we're not maybe gushing a little bit more over Jacobs here. I mean, just looking at what he was able to pull off. Peyton Barber is not involved at all. And for Jacobs yeah. to get all five of these backfields targets, like, Dwayne, this is great. I understand he's still a little banged up, but should he be someone that we're actively trying to buy low on here? Man, I don't trust it. It's the Raiders' backfield. Look, I, I do like Jacobs. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's all of a sudden taking over, you know, the passing down roles. I think you're still going to – I think you're still going to – it's still going to be Kenyon Drake time, you know, overall for those situations. Um, the good – the best part is – that Peyton, it's not a, th- it's not a three person committee, yeah. right? We don't have to worry about Peyton Barber. So I think that's a positive. The other positive for you is like you said, the Raiders offense overall, look, yeah, they're three and one now, but they have a good offense. Yeah. Like this offense is clicking. I don't think the wheels are just going to fall off, you know, with the offense. Um, so I expect those things to continue and that's going to give Josh Jacobs weekly upside to be in the RB one conversation. You're going to get those weeks where he's going to score two touchdowns. And if to your point, it's one of those weeks where they also happen to get in the ball, you know, three to four times in the backfield. Remember, this is the team against the chargers that likes to play the too high a ton. They're basically saying, we don't want you to beat us deep. So what that means on first and second down, you drop back, you do play action. They're deep. You can't get it to rugs. You're more likely even on first or second down to get that target outside, you know, or underneath, you know, to Josh Jacobs. So I think it was more of a function of the way the game played out and the way that the Raiders, um, you know, or the way the Chargers played the Raiders on defense. I think that's a big component of it because we saw the same thing with a couple of other teams so far with the Chargers. A lot of these underneath targets, whether it's to tight ends or backs or other things like that, because of the way the Chargers want to play defense. Yeah, Chargers and Broncos, by far the two lowest teams this year in terms of rush attempts faced with at least eight guys in the box. I was just happy to see Jacobs in a game that they were consistently yeah. down multiple scores in end up with 18 combined carries and targets. I mean, I feel like in the previous two years of his career, like same thing keeps happening. He has a multi-touchdown week one game. Mm-hmm. We're all like, oh shit, like he's an RB1 now. And then we have like some negative game script come up and we have a bunch of guys stealing away uh, his opportunity. And as someone that was really down, 
down on Josh Jacobs before this year started. You know, my reasoning was more because of the presence of Drake. They made him one of the league's highest paid backups. I figured he would be, you know, maybe not losing his job to Peyton Barber when Jacobs went down. Clearly, Drake isn't as big of a part of the offense as some, including myself, thought he'd be. So for me, if everyone's treating Jacobs as kind of the RB 26 ish guy. I think that's where he kind of finished up around in my preseason rankings. If he's still being treated as that, and we can get those upside RB one weeks that we were maybe worried about Drake really eating into, I am cool with buying low on Josh Jacobs. I still think, you know, number one by low is Chase Evans. I want him on my squads. He's the RB 13 in PPR mm-hmm. scoring. And he hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Like it's, I, I know Connor's annoying, until he's not, and then until Evans becomes a freaking top five RB. But Jacobs, I think, does have an argument to be someone where, hey, not 100% right now, but if he's been, if he would have been having this same usage over the past two weeks, I think he'd be a hell of a lot harder to get yeah, like, than he is now. With Chase Edmonds, just real fast, like, if you told me he was the RB2 and not Cordell Patterson, it's like <laughs> the utilization is there to back it up for years and years, you know? So, I mean, it's just – it's an example of why these things – you know, it's another good example of why they matter. I just looked real quick because, you know, um, when I finished the utilization report this morning, I only got to briefly glance at these, you know, two teams because they're not really included. Um, so I just looked at second, third, and fourth down and three yards or more to go, which is technically considered, you know, the long down and distance that we talk about. And if you look at it in the game, I mean, Jacobs did play 19 out of 30 snaps versus only 10 for Kenyon Drake. So that is interesting. That'll be, that would fall in the, if they were in the utilization report and you guys have read it, like I've also got this, you know, I've got these different definitions for like, there's a trend, there's an upgrade, there's a downgrade, buy low, sell high waiver. And then there's also one just called monitoring. Like this would definitely be like, okay, monitoring, like what's going on, what's, what's happening here. So it's definitely something. And let me look real quick. I know they use the two minute offense a little bit. So I'll just, I'm an ultimate, I'll click it over. So in the two minute offense, that's where it was 100% Kenyon Drake. Okay. So it looks like it looks like Jacobs probably took about 65% of the snaps and long down a distance, the rest going to Kenyon Drake. And then when they went to the two-minute offense, that's what they paid Kenyon Drake all this money for is to just be a two-minute off. Like they could have got Gio Bernard for like, you know, a fifth of the price. But that's like, that's what I'm saying. Like I was thinking almost a 50-50 split before the season started. And now it's still Drake yeah. in some of these touches, but it's at least a lot more Jacobs True. than a lot of us thought. Good so. point, man. Don't be afraid to go. Don't be afraid to go get him, everyone. Browns at the Chargers. Chargers now one point favorites. Actually opened with Cleveland as a one and a half point favorite. So we've had a couple of these lines swing across uh, the old metal game totals at fifty after opening at forty seven and a half. Uh, yeah, you know, woke up on Monday, chose violence, clipped out the three touchdowns that OBJ should have had, shot it out into the Twitter sphere, and everyone else got to join in on my pain. So, yes, people, truly was one just egregious that I'm sure you guys saw, like should have been a 60-yard dagger at the end of the game, just wide open after a sick double move. Also had what could have been a 50-yard touchdown if Baker made a nice throw and another three- or four-yard touchdown on the goal line where OBJ just had a sick whip route, turned it up, got some separation Baker threw the ball into the first row of the stands. So going back to the well with OBJ, I know it hurts. Maybe it'll be tilting again. I do believe that Baker who was very good. The first three weeks of the year won't be as bad as he was in week four. Again, moving forward. Let's talk about these running backs because the OI test watching these this year, last year, I thought there was a pretty big difference between Nick Chubb being better than Kareem Hunt. Like I thought Nick Chubb last year had, 
best running back alive with the ball in his hands pretty much sewn up. I know he wasn't getting Kamara's targets and stuff like that, but just in terms of who was the scariest running back with the ball last year, it was Chubb or Derrick Henry. Kareem Hunt's been better by just about any stat this year. PFF rushing grade, Hunt's seventh, Chubb's 11th. Missed tackles force per carry, Hunt's second, Chubb's sixth. Yards per carry, Hunt's fifth, Chubb's eighth. Yards after contact per carry, Hunt's second, Chubb's fifth. Hunt is the PPR RB8, Chubb is the RB11. Who's getting the targets that they are throwing to the running backs? It's Hunt. The carries really aren't that different. Both these guys need to start every week. And Dwayne, like, I guess I'm starting to think, do we just put Hunt above Chubb at this point? Like, it's really close, man. And the disparity we had in the pre-draft process was clearly too high. I know that these guys are scoring touchdowns well above expectation and everything. But when you're on a team with one of the best offensive lines in football and two of the best running backs in football, it does make sense that they would exceed expectations. So I know you had some words to go after chess with Kareem Hunt in this situation as well. I'll turn it over to you and then give me some Chargers goodness. Yeah, sure. So, you know, looking at, you know, um, the Browns backfield, it's, it's a situation where, look, if, if they get out ahead and they want to use the four minute offense, it goes to cream hunt. If they get behind and they need to throw the ball. So they're in long, or they're just behind and down a distance all day, long down a distance, or they're behind, they'd use the two minute offense that all goes to cream hunt as well. So whether you're in a game where you're potentially blowing your opponent out or winning, you know, by a decent margin or you're losing, Kareem Hunt gets a buffer. Nick Chubb also is awesome. Like when you name those stats, like the thing, my biggest takeaway is like, wow, how does one team have two badasses (laughs) like that? You know, I mean, they're both like on the top of everything and it's so close. Like it could probably easily switch, right. You know, over the next four games, because they're both really good at what they do. Um, But when you look at Chubb, you know, and the thing I'll say sometimes like, is he really has to thread the needle. Like the game can't get too crazy either way. And he's got to hit a long run and he's got to score a touchdown. And if he doesn't, then you're screwed. Now you got to start him every week because what does he do? Sometimes he'll score touchdowns. He'll score three of them, you know, and he'll break off two carries. See my dog's barking. (laughs) Heard that and said, Chuck. So (laughs) when you look at it, he could break off, you know, a 50 yarder and turn around the next quarter and he'll break off 45 yarder. He's got a hundred yards because Chubb really is everything. You know, I know people look at him, you see a bruiser, but he's got the long speed. He can take away angles from linebackers. He's truly um, one of the best talents at running back in the NFL as far as running goes, but that it's such a narrow path to his success. Think that it's actually a testament into how good he is. most running backs that get put into the box he's in, they there's no way they wouldn't even be a top 24 um, back. Period. They they would struggle to be in our top 36. But this player takes it. Now they have a great offensive line and a great scheme too. So those things play hand in hand with Chubb. So he does have some other things that are advantages. And that's the beauty of this game, right? It, there's all these different puzzle pieces that can come together to make a fantasy player. And it doesn't always have to be the same, right? They don't have to be the exact same puzzle pieces. There's different ways that you can get to that, to that end goal. So, well, it's yeah, funny, but it, but it is. Well, you say that like, that's the beautiful part of the game and it is to an extent, but I'm also looking at these two guys going, Hey, what I just said could be interpreted as me putting Nick Chubb down in favor of cream hunt, because we just have to rank these guys. I wish for yeah, a day for sure. I could just be a football analyst and say, Hey, everyone, cream hunt and Nick Chubb are both really good. And I'd be done there, but no, we have to come up with this ridiculous, you know, conversation about it because we need to rank them. And that is part of the game, but just getting that off my chest, you're held so accountable in fantasy football, I think compared to normal NFL coverage. And, you know, these are types of conversations we have to have accordingly. 
Yeah, you're probably too young for, you know, Dirty Dancing, the movie, but nobody puts baby in a corner. My new thing is nobody puts Ian in a corner. Sorry, man. Wasn't trying to box you in the corner. Make it sound like you were, you were going, you were down on hunt because I know you're not. Um, yeah, so um, as far as the Chargers go, Mike, Mike Williams, you know, look, it, it's going to be fine, folks. Like he's out there, plenty of routes. He was missed on a deep ball by Herbert, you know, where he was wide open. Um, had another contested opportunity down the field where Herbert missed the ball outside. Honestly, this is more Herbert just didn't have, you know, a great night between he and Williams. You know, Herbert's night wasn't like, you know, bad. It He and Williams were just off. We talked about this earlier. It happens. It's going to happen with players. It can happen to the best of them. I'm still a believer in Mike Williams, despite the 5% you know, of the targets that we saw, you know, you finally had a team and we've talked about this before Ian. teams watch what the last three to four games of your film, all of a sudden Mike Williams becomes a major focal point, you know, of a defense, despite the fact that he was getting open. And there were a few times where you saw him just blatantly beat, you know, the player that he was up against and Herbert didn't even see it. So it's not like the, the skill all of a sudden fell off for Mike Williams. You should be, you're going to be fine with him. Um, look at him this week, you know, as Cleveland, you know, it's a tougher wide receiver uh, strength of schedule matchup. It's a 1.2, but as far as his wide receiver cornerback matchup, it's about middle of the road. So it's not enough to like scare me off of him, but he'll probably be in like my third tier in, and then Keenan Allen will probably be right there at the bottom of tier two or at the top of tier three could be in the same tier with Mike Williams, but they'll both be in my top 24 again, this week. And a lot of it's just to do with this offense, man. I love the chargers offense. Like I love everything about it. They, they run a lot of plays. They pass the ball, you know, a lot. They really spread the ball around to their three main players. Last night, you saw Jared cook get a little more involved, you know, in the game because they needed to, it's just uh, it's a situation where it's the closest thing there is to the, to the bills or to the bucks. And that's what the Chargers are doing. And I've already talked about it before, but you're going to be super happy, you know, rostering these players. Um, I think they're, I think they're all league winners as long as they're healthy. I think Mike Williams can help you win a league. Um, I think, you know, Keenan Allen can help you win a league. Obviously Mike Williams can, cause you took him in the 10th round, right? But Eckler, um, Justin Herbert, you know, a quarterback going the eighth and ninth round, seventh round, sometimes of fantasy drafts, you know, probably going to finish at this point in the top six or seven, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with like how high can I, you know, keep pushing him. Um, and a lot of, I just love the offense, man. It's a great offense. Giants at the Cowboys. Dallas sitting at seven point favorites. Opened at five and a half. Game total up to 52 after opening at 48 and a half. Saquon Barkley, everyone. The RB10 overall, despite those first two rough weeks, RB6 and expected points. That touchdown was just a feel good moment of the week for me. Seeing how pumped Saquon was to get that score going crazy with Daniel Jones afterwards. It reminded me of when like Julio Jones had that super long touchdown drought a few years ago. And then he took that screen to the house against Washington. And like the whole sideline came down to celebrate with him because Saquon is one of the most important, most well-respected members on this team. And the, all of his teammates want to see him make those big plays that we all know he can make. And it all came together finally. So fantastic moment there. And Dwayne, as you told the people, but last week, you know, you don't need more than one hand to count the number of running backs you want over Barkley here moving forward. Otherwise, though, Danny Dimes, PFF's second highest graded passer, number three among quarterbacks in rushing yards and averaging a league high seven yards per carry. Absolutely got to love it. He is firmly on that, you know. I wouldn't say he's on the QB one borderline. I do have 12 guys I'm ranking ahead of him pretty, uh, uh, you know, constantly. But upside QB two range, Absolutely. Can we trust Kenny Galladay, though? I would say start sick questions where it's close. I would probably lean towards the other guys. I do think he catches the Trayvon Diggs shadow. 
as we saw last week, though, we don't fade shadow matchups against great quarterbacks because Trayvon shadowed DJ Moore last week and DJ Moore scored two touchdowns, not even on Trayvon against other guys because shadow coverage doesn't happen every snap of every game, people. So now I trust Matt Rule, Joe Brady to get DJ Moore those better matchups. They were using him in the backfield, like running actual routes as a running back last week. Not so sure Jason Garrett's going to be doing that. Like It's funny. You, you see Jason Garrett, when he really goes into his bag of tricks, he gives Evan Ingram a rush attempt. Like, that's his go-to. He does it a few times <laughs> every year. It rarely works. I think he actually did score on it against the Cowboys last year, but everyone was scoring on that Cowboys defense last year. Yeah. So, again, what do we do with these matchups, people? They're tiebreakers. So, if it's Kenny Galladay versus someone we have ranked 10 spots lower, give me Kenny G. That's fine. But if it's Kenny Galladay versus, you know, Devontae Smith, someone I have right next to him, okay, I'll be worried enough about Trayvon, who is playing his freaking dick off this year. I would give it to Devontae in that one. So the adjectives start getting funky once we get after 90 minutes on this pod, Dwayne. You know that. Tell me about your Dallas Cowboys and what we're looking at here. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. So, um, man, Zeke. Look at Zeke. Uh, You know, PPR 15, PPR 3, PPR 10. He's at 5 on the season now. Yeah, snaps are holding steady, 73%, 70%, 75%. And now you get a nice matchup, a 6.5 in the RB strength of schedule, um, a 68 in the offensive line run block advantage, man, the Cowboys, and they don't even have Leo Collins right now, Ian, like they are, they're blowing people off the ball. Like they are just, it's two weeks PFF's in a row. PFF's number one highest grade run blocking unit. Yeah, it is. It, they are, they're just ripping it right now. And so you get Zeke, you know, against the Giants. It's a great matchup. Um, not getting used in the passing game, but he's still out there. He's running routes, you know, 76% of long down distance, 95% of two and offs. I'll tell you the difference. They're throwing all the underneath stuff, the one and two yard ADOT stuff. They're throwing it all to Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. And so um, they're not giving as much of that to the backs and that's Zeke or to Pollard, you know, right now. So that that's the kind of thing that could switch in at any moment. Look, Guys, I like Dalton Schultz, but I watch the Cowboys every single week. I watch every snap. Dalton Schultz is a dude. He's he's just a dude. Um, I like him. Great. You know, uh, but he's he's not like somebody you're drawing up a bunch of plays to get him the ball. What's happening is you've got a banged up receiver core. People know Amari's hurt. You know, CeeDee Lamb is still a young player, so they're they're trying to take him away with coverage. And Dak is basically saying, okay, I don't have to force it. We're ahead. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, one more time, Dalton Schultz. That's what's happening. Now, I will say Schultz has done well enough to separate himself from Blake Jarwin. So he did jump up and snaps this last week, um, which is the thing. When I look at utilization, you know, the week before I was like, eh, 60%, you know, put a little on him, but let's see what happens. He jumped to 79% this last week. So he's in a great spot. And his targets per route run were actually really good at 30% and 33% the last two weeks. But it has been more, not because they're designing a bunch of stuff for Dalton Schultz, it's because of the way that the defenses are playing the Cowboys right now and the way the game scripts are working out. The other thing I'll say, so back to Zeke, I don't know why I kind of went there. I got Zeke in my top eight this week. Um, you know, this is a great matchup all the way around 52 points, um, seven point favorites, implied points of 29.50. Sorry if those are slightly different than Ian's. I pulled mine like a couple minutes before the show. So if anything's changed, they'll be a little bit off. Um, so yeah, Zeke looks good. And then I got CD lamb. He, you know, he's still going to be, he'll be in my top 12, you know, this week, you know, and he was out there plenty again, players, good players can have bad games. Like it happens, you know, so it happened with lamb, but you're going to have, uh, you know, it's not a great matchup this week, but you've got the big implied points. You've got the big total. I'll have Amari Cooper inside my top 20. 
Um, Amari's playing banged up right now. Like he's got a hamstring issue. He's got a rib issue. Um, and Amari's, you know, just one of these guys that, you know, with the routes and the way he plays the game, you know, he takes a lot of these hits. So we can see him kind of disappear for two and three weeks at a time. And so we can still be dealing with that. So I don't want to be as quite as bullish on Amari. And then the last thing is the Cowboys have shown us when they're leading games, they don't want to just throw the ball all the time. They're not the chargers. They're not the bucks. They're not the bills. So whenever the Cowboys, you know, are um, leading, you know, you look at them, they're the ninth in the league in run rate. When they're in a close game within three points, they are sixth in run rate. Only when they trail does the run rate drop and they drop to 31st. So they're more of a traditional team. Trailing, we'll throw it all the time. Trail, they're number two in the league in pass rate. But in close game scripts, 27th in the league out of 32 and pass. 24th in the league when leading, throwing the ball. So they found balance. Um, and a lot of that is the way the defenses don't want to give up the big plays. They know they've got these receiving options and the Cowboys are good enough to say, fine, we will run the ball or we will check the ball down underneath. And so that's what's going on. And that's why we're not seeing the three and 400 yard passing days from Dak. And I think it's going to be, we're not going to get those all the time. It's going to be a matter of how does the game work out? And the good thing, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a football fan, is that you're kind of equipped to go whichever way you need to. For fantasy fans, that's going to be a little frustrating from time to time because you're going to have weeks where Zeke's going to be the odd player out. You're going to have weeks where it'll be Lamb or it'll be Cooper. Probably not going to have these every week all the time. We're up to start everybody on the Cowboys and they're all going to score, you know, 20 to 30 points. They're still a really good offense, but the way game scripts work out can really impact their fantasy production. Yeah, we just know Cooper will probably catch that James Bradbury shadow. Really went Bradbury's way last year. I think he's one of the more underrated matchup, you know, one-on-one corners in the NFL. And with Coop not being at 100%, certainly agree that CD should be fired up ahead of him. Dwayne, I know you update rest of season rankings a good amount. Where do you have Dak the rest of the season? Yeah, I've got him at low end QB one now. So I've moved him down. Um, Jalen Hurts has moved above him. Uh, I've got Herbert above Dak. It's not to say he's terrible, but I mean, you know, I've got him down around QB 10, QB nine. Um, and it's just, it's all, it's all because of what I just talked about. How far away is Carr? How far away is Carr from? Um, I've got Carr. I got to scroll down. I think I've got Carr at 12 or 13. Okay. So I've got Carr a couple spots behind him. It's hard for Dak. To consistently, he's thrown seven touchdowns on 48 attempts over the last two weeks. It's hard to yeah. do. He's a great quarterback. He'll be able to do it sometimes. It's hard to do. Need yeah, you're going to gonna get your shootout weeks where it'll be great, and Dak will be the QB1 of the yeah. week. But you need the shootout now. Yeah. Um, and playing against the Giants, I don't know that that's this week's good matchup. But I think this is a game where, man, they could easily come out and you know go almost a 50-50 split between pass and running the ball um, and, and win this game. 49ers at the Cardinals, Arizona, all the way up to five and a half point favorites open with Sam Fran as a slight one point fave. Man, that must yeah, that one was wild. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what was going on there. Game totals at 50 after opening at 46 and a half. We talked about Trey Lance a lot on our waiver wire pod. So I invite you guys to go get that. I mean, it's like the first thing I think we talked about with quarterbacks. So I do think he's right there, not in the top 12. We talked about it. We will give Darnold the nod. So as sexy as it would be, I can get my PFF quote graphic. Trey Lance is a QB one this week. Nope. He's a high-end QB too. So live with it. Social media guy. Sorry. Um, if you want to bump him, you know, it's a couple spots down from QB 13. I think that's fine. Um, I would try to avoid the running back room for this week, similar to exactly our rationale for wanting to fade Henderson and Sony Michelle last week. 
anticipating Elijah Mitchell being back. We'll see, not, not a given, but from the shoulder injury. And from there, are we getting the Elijah Mitchell that was the every down player in weeks one and two, or are we getting someone that is still playing through a shoulder injury, a little bit banged up? We see them lean on Trey Sermon a little bit as well. And this week, maybe Kyle Juszczyk keeps taking the long down and distance. You know, but Trey Sermon over these past two weeks, it's been a best case scenario for him and he's returned RB three value. So if Mitchell's out again, Sermon upside RB three, maybe if you want to throw him on that RB two borderline, you know, I won't call you a coward or anything like that, but we're just not feeling that great about it right now. And other than that, Dwayne, we love Kittle every week, of course, and we love Debo Samuel wide receivers with a 30% plus target share. Devontae Adams, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, and Tyreek Hill. Can't start Ayuk. And if you're in a deeper, you know, if you're in a more shallow league, I should say, he is on the cut list. Like, wh what more do we need? It's been four weeks now in this season. We saw him get out of the doghouse in week three and have an okay game. And then he just went right back down in week four, not because they hate him, but because Debo Samuel is the number one wide receiver in one of the league's most run heavy offenses. So I'm not saying Ayuk won't have some good weeks. I still think he's a great player, but like when we envisioned him as the upside wide receiver too, that a lot of people were drafting him for, it was in the idea that he was going to be the number one pass game option in this offense. Now it's like best case, he's going to be three on any given week. It's not even like a 1A, 1B thing with him and Debo. Debo is the number one receiver. Kittle's the number two in the pass game. Maybe he can be number one, you know, during any given week. It's Debo and Kittle drop off Brandon Ayuk and the rest of those guys. So it sucks. You know, I'm sorry you spent that fifth round pick on the guy. Don't let uh, yesterday's missed draft pick influence tomorrow's start sit decision. Dwayne, that's sounded pretty uh, philosophical there. I like that. I might have to hang that up on the wall or something. I like shit. it. I like it too. Like give that me, should definitely uh, be the part of social media goes with. That'll give me, uh, really give good. me some Cardinals goodness. Yeah. So um, we hit on Chase Edmonds earlier, but look, another great matchup. I've got him at RB 13 this week. To your point, look, he's number two in the league as far as target shares uh, for running back. You know, there's only one back ahead of him. So he's sitting at 18% in an offense that plays really well. His boom is coming. Like, like he's going to have, like, it wouldn't surprise me in like, and here's the beauty of a guy like Edmonds is the matchup thing doesn't even matter. They throw him the ball, <laughs> you know, he gets rushes, but they throw him the ball. He plays on a really good offense. So you're talking about a player that he's going to have, he's, it's coming. He's going to have these top six weeks. He's probably going to have a few of them. And all of a sudden, like, we're going to be looking at him like, and you're going to be like, wow, Chase Edmonds is, you know, RB six. Well, yeah, he's RB 13. And he hadn't even scored yet to your point. So or he's RB 12 right now. And I've got him at 13 for the week. Um, you guys don't let me tell you about Kyler Murray. He should be in your top four quarterbacks this week. Um, you know, you're going to start Kyler every single week. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. I think this will be the week where he's finally probably going to be back to 100%. You know, so I'm really, I want to see like, what are we going to do with DeAndre Hopkins? Cause right now, you know, he's sitting at 18% of the targets on the year, but we did see a steady increase. And so in week two, when he got hurt, he only had 12% of the targets week three. We know he battled it out. He didn't practice the whole week and he got out there had 15% of the targets. This last week was really his healthiest week since week one, 24% of the targets. So I'm expecting to see something more along the lines of that. I will have DeAndre Hopkins inside my top 12 wide receivers for this week. AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. We've talked about, we've talked about all of them um, on the Sunday pod. I'll just quickly say, I like them. I can't tell you which one's going to go off. Ian. <laughs> I still like Christian Kirk the most because I think he has the most big boom upside. Uh, you know, Rondell Moore would, if he was playing, you know, more of the snaps. But when I look at Kirk and AJ Green, 
who are the two that are closer, right, in their role and how many targets and, and stuff that they get, even though AJ is slightly ahead. Like if I think one player is going to explode and have like these two 50-yard touchdowns, it's Christian Kirk, not AJ Green. So I would rank Kirk ahead of AJ Green for the week. You know, he's going to be a wide receiver four. It's going to be boom bust. When he booms, can be wide high end wide receiver two. Heck, we've seen him be in the wide receiver one conversation in week one. Uh, not conversation. He was in it, you know, week one. So you know what the boom can look like. But I would I would say, look, more likely the weeks he hits, he gives you a wide receiver two production. But when he misses, wide receiver one hundred five last week. Ian, that can hurt. Are we ready to crown Max Williams yet? You know, we talked about this in the game. <laughs> No, he's just not there, man. 60% of the routes, 56% of the routes, 49% of the routes. Now, targets per route run, 28, 14, and 25. So he's getting part of the equation, but that 60, 56, and 49 is still too low to really trust. I I like him, but I think it's just going to be a bit of a roller coaster. I I think for DFS purposes, like where you're just throwing a dart, you know, at a player, I I like Max Williams better in that format than I do in a season long, unless you're, you know, in a really deep league you know, where it's like, everything's gone. You're like, I just had to have something. I mean, I guess Max Williams could do that. And I will say I was pulling up his uh, snaps as I said that, because they were really good. The first three weeks, he was at 75% plus pretty much. And every time. Route. Those were his routes, not yeah. his snaps. So. Well, but he took a nice little fall off last week, despite oh, yeah. having okay. the five targets and a touchdown. So I did not see the behind the scene usage as we know, context matters. My apologies, everyone. I wasn't wasn't doubting you, Dwayne. I'm just, hey, Ian. <laughs> just here, just here to ask some questions. We are not in on Max Williams. Sunday night football. We got the Bills at the Chiefs. KC three point faves after opening at four and a half. Game totals up to fifty six and a half after opening at fifty four and a half. Over the last three weeks, Buffalo has outscored Miami, Washington, Houston, one hundred and eighteen to twenty one. They are absolutely crushing it. The defense, similar to, I think, the Panthers, even if they're not this juggernaut that they look like on paper because of the schedule they faced, certainly a unit that has gotten a lot better. And I think you'd be hard-pressed to rank, you know, 10 groups ahead of them uh, for the rest of the year. What, Josh Allen, are we getting, though, the rest of the time? And fantasy, it doesn't matter. He is the QB7 this year because Josh Allen was a great fantasy QB in 2018 and 2019 before he became a world beater in real life as well. I'm just saying, people, this version of him has been awfully erratic, and it hasn't mattered because of how good the defense has played in the schedule. But in week one, his past PFF passing grade ranked 16th on the week. Week two, he was 30th. Week three, back. No, no reason to worry. Number three. Last week, took another step back and got to 20 seconds. So they were playing in the rain. I mean, he had this crazy great throw where, like, Houston had two unblocked defenders. Josh just evades both of them and throws, like, a 40-yard laser, Stefan Diggs, downfield. So he's still showing the big play potential, but we've just been seeing a little bit more of the, you know, erraticness from him that really defined uh, his first two years in the league. So, again, for fantasy, he's a high-end QB1 each and every week. It's not anything to worry about. But in terms of, you know, are the Bills ready to knock off the Chiefs and really be this – true you know maybe a favorite for the afc that's just where i'm kind of uh you know not quite ready to go all the way there zach moss rb24 this year despite missing week one feels a little bit like a fugazi i don't think he's gonna keep you know scoring touchdowns at this rate he does have 22 snaps inside the 10 yard line singletary has just seven so if josh allen decides to be nice and not run in every touchdown zach moss is more likely than singletary to get it i do think we've probably just seen you know three or so of moss's better games of the year happen early on so he's fine upside rb3 if you want to have him as a flex guy to throw in there not against it just don't get too carried away with what we're 
expecting from Moss on a week-to-week basis. And then with the wide receivers, total air yards. We all know how great Tyreek Hill is and how much we love Tyreek, all those downfield opportunities. How could there be another receiver in the world that's even close to Tyreek Hill? He only has 18 more air yards than Stefan Diggs on the season. One, two, Stefan Diggs is the undisputed number one guy in this offense, had over 100 yards last week. I'm not sure if the blow-up blow-up is happening this week, but man, it is coming and it is going to be great. Keep him ranked inside your top five wide receivers with confidence. And also on that air yard leaderboard, Emmanuel Sanders, 14th in air yards this year, ahead of guys like DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. So Dwayne, big, uh, I guess I should mention too, Dawson Knox stays balling. We talked about him a lot in the waiver pod. Like that's the thing. So yeah. We're feeling good about Dawson Knox here moving forward. He has this every down roll because the guys that used to be in front of him are now on different teams. So loving Dawson. Dwayne, my one question for you here, Manny Sanders, like, is he someone that we can now really start getting, you know, as a top 30 option? Because man, like these downfield shots just keep coming to him week in and week out. I think in these, especially in games like this, yes. Uh, The way I look at Manny Sanders is anytime I think we're in the right matchup that could shoot out, I'm going to have him in my top 36. Um, and, and really, I'm treating Cole Beasley the same way. You know, um, I'm treating them both similarly. Um, but yeah, I think anytime you get a chance to play in a game like this against the Chiefs, you should have Manny Sanders in your top 36. If not, he's got to be really close, right? He's a borderline, not in there. But yes, I do think it can keep up. Plenty of routes. You know, um, he's seeing good targets, got good air yards. I mean, everything looks great. Yeah, you, Stefan Diggs is the alpha. Uh, but this is a, this is an offense that throws the ball as much as anybody. Um, you know they're a little bit lower now than some of you know a couple of the teams like the Bucks and some other teams. But still, I expect over the average of the season, like this is a top five you know pass percentage team, um, and they run with good pace. They run a lot of plays, so it's a great situation for fantasy owners. All right, do you want to now talk sure. about our Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. Do you guys need me to tell you the Chiefs are good? (laughs) You know, the biggest, I'm not even saying anything about Mahomes. Look, he's back to QB one after last night um, or sorry, after this weekend. Um, No surprise there. I, I, you know, he's in your top four quarterbacks for the rest of the season. You know, you could argue that you want the guys that have the rushing floor slightly ahead of, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes on a weekly basis, but you also have these huge games where Mahomes, and you can do a little bit on the ground too, but you know, you just have these huge gains, you know, through the air. The biggest note thing for me that I want to note is uh, and we'll see what happens here with Josh Gordon. I don't expect a ton, you know, out of the gate, but man, the targets, um, 30% of the targets so far on the season to Tyreek Hill, you know, normally Hill is around 24, 25%. Travis Kelsey setting at 25%. Normally he's around 23, 24%. So you've really got like this, it's even more condensed than it's been, you know, in the past. And if, if you pick up an extra two to 3% of targets for each of those players on the season, in this offense with Patrick Mahomes, like we could break some shit, you know, <laughs> I mean, so you saw it last week, you know, with Tyreek Hill. Um, the thing is with Hill, you had a 13% or a 19% and then a 41%, right. As far as target share goes. So you have this really big boom. Um, just something to keep an eye on though. I mean, and, and Hill looks great just real quick on um, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Um, you know, he's still mostly the first and second down back, um, but he's looking a little better. You know, I went back and watched, you know, because the first couple of weeks I was like, eh, you know, he's still, he's not a speed. He doesn't have a lot of speed, right. Or anything, but he's quick. Like he's like the guy, he's the guy that makes you miss like in the phone booth, you know, but then he can't get like the next five yards and beat the angle. That's really who Clyde Edwards Larry is. He's he makes player. you miss in the phone booth, but he can't dial the <laughs> fucking phone until you, you get to him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he's not real involved in the passing game. 
Um, you know, as far as the short down and distance, he's limited there as well. He only has 50% of the snaps um, whenever it's, uh, you know, one to two yards to go in second, third, or fourth down. 46% of those are going to Daryl Williams. Once you get inside the five, there's only three of those uh, rushing attempts inside the five because the Chiefs throw a lot down there. But 100% of those have gone to Daryl Williams. So, look, to uncork the upside here for Edwards Alaire, He's teams are backing off with their safeties and they're, they're giving him some more run, right? So he's getting the yardage. He's caught a touchdown pass the last two weeks, but he's not that involved. Ian. I mean, only 5% of the targets. So high. Yeah. If he's not going to get chance, if he's not going to get the carries inside the five, that's really, that was honestly like the insulation that we thought was there. It was like, look, you come play in the chiefs, man. They're going to be a top three offense. So even if he just falls into the end zone for 12 scores, because you know he's not going to score a lot of long ones. Like, he's not the type of back that's going to break these 40 and 50 yarders. So most of them are going to need to come in from in close. And so far, he doesn't have that role. So this does, I'm with you. It feels fluky. I do like the offense. He's looked a little better the last two weeks, but I do think it's an opportunity to sell high. I will say this week, it's going to be hard to rank him outside of, say, top 16. It's another pretty good matchup um, from a standpoint of, you know, we've already talked to total talked about the implied points. Those things are all good. It's, 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 you know, an average matchup from a, from a running back strength of schedule, but from an offensive line run blocking advantage um, we've got it as a 63 right now, which is probably, I don't have it ranked um, probably top four would be my guess. You know, the chiefs have been playing really good from that standpoint. So yeah, Edwards Allaire borderline, you know, he's a, he's a high end RB two this week. So if you need to use him this week and then try to sell you good, um, that's perfectly in play, but there's just not anything to hang your hat on, man. It's like, I wish he owned like, you know, more of the passing work or at least own for sure the inside the five where he doesn't own any of that. It's like, Hey, you're the first and second down back, you know, just kind of do your thing with that. And if that works out great, if, if not, you know, well, sorry, we're just gonna let Daryl Williams and Jerick McKinnon get in the game. Yeah, like Daryl Williams last week had 10 carries and two targets. Clyde had 14 carries and two targets. Clyde is for sure the RB1 in KC, but this isn't dominant. He is our RB30 in expected points this year. He has exceeded expectation compared to what we would expect based on his usage. And I know it sounds weird to say that because we all draft them as an RB14, RB15. The guy has eight targets in four weeks. Like, you know, Brian Westbrook, Jamal Charles, all these other guys – Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey weren't in those offenses, so the running backs were getting fed. How much more evidence do we need that they're not going to feed Clyde in the passing game? I'm with you. This week is setting up fine because they're facing a Bills defense. What did they do when these teams met in the regular season last year? They said, hey, we're playing the hell back. You can give it to Clyde a million times and run for six yards of carry, and that's better to us than letting Patrick Mahomes beat us. Mahomes still won, but I did think it was a pretty good strategy for them in that regular season matchup. And they shut him down a little bit more in the playoffs. But, yeah, man, like we were on Clyde. Why? Because he was such a great pass catcher at LSU. When the passes aren't coming, yeah, man, I, I think selling high on Clyde is a great idea because he's not even – you're right. He's not even holding off Daryl Williams – in the most important situations, go sell Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Maybe after this week, that's fine, but do it soon, people. Please, as a personal favor to me, go find your least favorite person in your league and trade them Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Last one, Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore is at seven-point favorites after opening at four. Game total is at 46 down from 49. Mo Alley cox two-touchdown performance last week. I was like, oh, did Doyle actually get ruled out? No, he was playing. He was just a little bit limited. What do we think? Is Mac going to score two touchdowns every week? Of course not, because we had Grayson also getting the reps. 
This is what happens in Indy. It happened with Phillip Rivers there, happened in previous years when Jacoby was there and even Andrew Luck. Like they use multiple tight ends all the damn time. They have quarterbacks that are good at throwing through the tight end. So we see the touchdowns in the second we try to think we have, you know, this is like three Mike Jasicki's in this offense, Dwayne. Like we can never feel good about, they're all worse than Mike Jasicki, but we can never feel good about their usage week to week. There'll be some touchdowns, but again, don't go trying to chase them. Love Mo Alley Cox. Again, Biggest player in the world. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. Just don't trust him as a legit tight end one, even though he was for a week. Michael Pittman is the only guy we can trust in this passing game. Targets on the year. He had four in week one and then 12, 12 and eight. Gotta love it. Ravens secondary is not what it used to be. If you match up against Marlon Humphreys, that's going to be a tough, tough day at the office, but he does not shadow with no Peters, no Jimmy Smith, all in on Michael Pittman. And by all in, I mean, you know, he's a solid wide receiver three. And then finally, Jonathan Taylor, still borderline RB1, upside RB2. I really think the Marlon Mack thing was a showcase. I would honestly expect him to be inactive here moving forward. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they talked about trading the guy, and all of a sudden now they want to feature him more often than ever. Seems a little suspicious to me. So it reminds me of The only other thing I would say on that one is maybe it was to do with um, Taylor because, he remember, Taylor was limited all last week with a knee. That's true. So that's the only other thing I could think of is they were just worried, like, what if Taylor has a flare-up or he feels uncomfortable? We need to have somebody – uh, that we can run. Okay. That's, that's a very good point. Got to keep an eye on that old injury report, which is why every Friday, the PFF fantasy football podcast breaks down all the injuries for you. And we definitely went over Taylor. So good job. keeping me honest there, Dwayne. And the big issue, I mean, Taylor, like having Mac there, it doesn't help Taylor's upside, obviously, but it really hurts Naeem Hines. Like he is just not a candidate to get eight to 10 carries as long as Marlon Mack is involved. So if Marlon Mack's active. I am not starting Naeem Hines. Like this would as seven point underdogs seem to be a setting for Hines, but it's just such a painfully low floor. He could have one touch or he could have 10. And just like JD McKissick, man, they're both great players. We just, it's just so like, hopefully, you know, if you got them best ball, it's great. Cause you don't need to worry about this whole equation. Uh, you just, you'll play them on the good weeks and you'll set them on the bad weeks and redraft much harder to wrap your head around. So Jonathan Taylor, fire him up. Michael Pittman, depending on the roster, that's about it. Credit to Carson Wentz, as we said uh, on the game uh, review show Sunday nights, Zero turnover-worthy plays this year. You know, still leaving some to be desired and stuff in terms of making good plays happen while also limiting the bad plays, but certainly a hell of a lot better start to 2021 than he had in 2020. Believe me, the bar was not high, but he exceeded it nevertheless. Talk to me about the Ravens, Dwayne, and new RB1, Latavius Murray. Yeah, man. Um, Real quick on the Ravens, one thing that I found really interesting with them is last year, um, they dropped back to pass. 59% or more three times the whole season. The Ravens have already done that three times this season in four games. So they are throwing the ball more. You know, I've hinted at that a little bit over the the first couple of weeks, and we're actually, you know, we're seeing that. Um, So it's something where they've definitely invested, you know, the draft capital. They've got all these backs hurt. So it could also, it's probably some culmination, right, of all these different things. But I think you're going to continue to see the Ravens throw more. Now, whenever I say you're going to see the Ravens throw more, they still rank 28th and pass. You know, so it's not like they're a top five team. They're number five in rushing attempts, you know, on the season, which naturally gets inflated when you have a, a quarterback that can run the ball as well as Lamar Jackson. Um, that tends the the team that has that type of player is typically going to be in the top three, four, five as far as rushing attempts, you know, for the season. So looking at that, you know, that I think that's a great thing for Lamar Jackson. He's willing to scramble, he's designed rushing attempts, and now all of a sudden the Ravens could be dropping back just enough to give him, you know, maybe an extra 
two games worth of passing attempts, you know, on the season versus last year. So I think that could actually play out well for Lamar Jackson. Um, I'll come back to the backs in a second, since I'm on Lamar and the throwing game and the passing game, you know, Marquise Brown, you know, just continues to do his thing. Um, Ian, at this point, like with Brown, you know, you got, he's wide receiver 13, you know, on the season, he's a former first round pick. He's finally healthy. Um, man, dude, people cannot cover this guy. Ian. like, if you watch these games, like the amount of, and look the week before, like he had not dropped those three balls. Like he probably was wide receiver one on the week instead of 57. And we would be sitting two here. Balls. It was two balls. I keep was, seeing people say three, that one got tipped. We can't expect yes, him to catch a tip ball. Yeah. And I brought that one up, but what, whatever you want to say, two <laughs> touchdowns, and, and, but it would have, you know, he left another, what, how many yards did he leave on the field there? Probably another 60, 70, two of those would have been catches. Probably Either way, it was a horrendous so. game for sure. Yeah. So, but the big point being, he probably would have been a top three receiver that week, which would have been, if you would have given him that, you know, he'd be at seven, three, 13, plus the big, the nice game he had week one, you'd be talking about a top five wide receiver. You'd be talking about another player. We'd be talking about the same way as we're talking about Debo Samuel. Um, and so Mike William, I mean, Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, there's another one, you know, those names that creep into your mind, like the surprise players of the year, Marquise Brown, you should be really happy if you have him rostered right now. Um, I've got him in my top 24 wide receivers the rest of the way. He's just in there. I've got him as a low end wide receiver, uh, two right now, but man, like if he keeps playing like this, I want to see what happens when Rashad Bateman gets back. I want to see what, what does that do? I don't think it's going to be a huge deal because I think what we're seeing is Sammy is slowly being phased out of the offense. I think Rashad Bateman will come in and start to take that rollover, maybe take some of the Devin DuVernay slot stuff over out of the gate. And eventually I think he bumps Sammy out. And the thing is Sammy man in his role, like his targets per route run is 20%. That's probably about what we're hoping Rashad Bateman is going to be at. So even if Bateman just takes what, Sammy Watkins has, that doesn't necessarily have to be coming away from Marquise Brown. That means you could still be supporting Marquise Brown in the role he's in. You obviously got Mark Andrews doing his thing. We've talked about him plenty. Then you could have some room for Rashad Bateman. Um, You're probably the third option, but you know, he could still have some boom games. And again, the Ravens are throwing the ball a little bit more. So let's see what happens with that. Now back to the main real question. Ian, no, go ahead. I have one question. Sure. How come everyone just acts like Miles Boykin doesn't exist anymore? He's on the same return timeline as Bateman. Like, this is why I haven't been high on Bateman. Uh, you know, the Matt Harmons of the world and everyone who really knows wide receivers, they're all on Bateman. And I respect that. I'm, I'm, it's fair to be high on him as a prospect. Dynasty, if you want to go after him, like, absolutely. This is the league's most run first offense that is going to usually go through Mark Andrews first. And now you're just assuming that Bateman who has not played a snap yet is going to leap Hollywood Watkins and Boykin and Duvernay and just be the number one wide receiver. Like right away. I don't think so. Dwayne. And again, if yeah, you can get I, him on I the IR, if you can get him on the IR as a bench stash, that's fine. But that's why the whole people ranking Boykin, like inside their top 40 receivers to start the year. I, I just never saw his Bateman. path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, but here, here's the thing. Like, I'm fine. I'm putting him over Boykin because I've seen Boykin, right? So I'm putting him over Duvernay because I've seen Duvernay in his role. But will the they're, Ravens, they're, and that's what matters. Like, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Right. It is the Ravens, but they are throwing the ball more. They do have more explosive plays. But to your point, it's not going to be an offense. It's not like it's it's not going to be like the Cardinals, right? You know, it's not going to suddenly turn. It's morphing but it's more like this uh, micro evolution. It's not this macro evolution, right. Of the offense where it's totally changing. So yeah, I'm with you, but I, I do think Bateman will be the third option probably on this team come, I don't know, next three to four weeks. Yeah. And I do think it's worth stashing him on your roster. I agree with you. I, I when I see the stuff out there, especially all the, Oh, Marcus Brown, 
just wait, Rashad Bateman's coming. I'm like, have you guys watched Marquise Brown playing? Oh, by the way, he does things that almost no other receiver in the league can do, right? Um, I mean, yeah, Bateman came out and ran a good pro day, but if you watch the two players, there's a difference, right, with who's going to burn you deep, who can who can beat a backside safety, all that kind of stuff. Like when we talk about Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, um, you know, Henry Ruggs, like there's only so many players that can do some of these things that we're talking about. And, you know, Hollywood Brown is one of those. Now there's always going to be the door that can open if Hollywood Brown gets hurt. Right. We know that there's that chance with him. Um, So as far as the backfield goes, uh, we did talk about it on Sunday night, so I won't belabor it too much, but yes, we do have a situation now where Latavius Murray really is. He's the RB one. His rushing attempts have gone from 21% to 41% to 62%. Um, His short down and distance snaps. He owns all of them 100% each of the last two weeks. Um, He's not out there for the passing work, not out there in the two minute offense, but like Ian just said, this is really more of a run heavy offense. So the role you want to own here is you want to be the player getting the most attempts. You want to be the player having a chance to punch it in when you get down inside the five Latavius Murray owns both of those roles, which is huge for him. You can keep an eye on Le'Veon Bell. We'll see what happens. He did take over that long down distance and two minute work that Latavius Murray is not taking. And they had Freeman just kind of working in. We'll see if does, does Tyson Williams manage to become active this weekend. Is he inactive? Is he inactive again? We'll keep an eye on those things. But for now, Murray, we can expect to be the RB one for this week. Um, I think you said it best, you know, on the recap pod on Sunday night, Ian, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's exciting, but like, it's hard to trust. It's like, how much do we trust it? And that's where I was struggling with him today in the rankings. I've got him right now at RB 30, you know, but if he truly owns the role that we just talked about, he should probably be closer. You know, he should be in the bottom end of the RB twos, but I've really got him as a mid range RB three in 12 team leagues. And it's just because I don't 100% trust, trust uh, the data. It's only one data point. And so I want to see it one more time. I'm fine playing if you need to in that range, but I'd rather not move him up above other players where we're more sure about their role um, that have similar matchups or we think could be even close to him. I'm just confused, like how Latavius out of all people in this backfield got the benefit of the doubt. Like you look at the running backs that have been in Baltimore with Lamar and what happens when the entire defense is worried about Lamar, the gaps are huge. And we talk in fantasy, the, the added efficiency does not outweigh the loss of volume when you're playing with a dual threat quarterback, but Gus Edwards, you know, five yards per carry each and every year, JK Dobbins over six. Like Tyson Williams is at 6.1 this year. Devontae Freeman's corpse is at 6.8 yards per carry. Just one metric. Latavius is at 3.4, man. Like there just hasn't been a time all year where it's like, oh, Latavius, you know, he looks like the best one out there. And okay, pass pro and things like that. That's fine. I'm there's a I'm, I'm I am not a football genius like John Harbaugh. Like I understand this. I'm sure he has a good reason for why they've done it, but for the life of me. I can't quite see why. And again, that is why I'm just not all in on Latavius RB1 work at this point. Dwayne, this was our last game preview without bye weeks, my friend. We got a little bit less work next week. How about that? Yeah, things get get a little shorter, don't they? Might get this under two hours one of these days. I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. We'll see. You got the utilization report up on pff.com. You got the rankings that'll be up on pff.com. Anything else you want to go off your chest, my friend? No, man, put out the tiers tomorrow. Um, you know, well, they'll hit, they'll hit on Thursday and turn them in tomorrow. And then I'll do my smash and fades at the end of the week. Then I'll do a little something around the props. Uh, well, we'll see. I got a couple other ideas. You know, I kind of like to keep, you know, some space open just in case you like the mood hits you, Ian. You're like, you know what? I got to do this. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 
You can find my QB predictions for week five, RB breakdown, wide receiver, cornerback and tight end analysis and mismatch manifesto all published before the games get started on Thursday, each and every week over at PFF.com for Dwayne. I'm Ian. Thank you as always for listening to PFF fantasy football podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.